If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined by co-host Mr. Andy Conduit Turner. Hello, Ben. And indeed. Hello. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And indeed. Hello to absolutely everybody who could be listening. Uh, Whether you're listening the week of this movie's release, whether you're listening deep into the future. Maybe you're listening on in, in an apocalyptic future on some tiny little device you've managed to find that somehow connects to the cloud. Yeah, you've cloud. just found you've just found an old cloud enabled device in the in the wreckage. And, and you're for listening. some reason this is the only thing downloaded. <laughs> the only thing downloaded is this very episode. Um and it's been rated five stars, of course. And you're thinking, oh. well, what are I these actually? I would hope so. I mean, how would a society with such good taste end up collapsing on itself? You might wonder. We can't answer those questions here. It's not here what we're here to talk about. But, you know, please do continue your research. Maybe you'll find other devices with other episodes on. (laughs) Maybe it's a, uh, what's it called? Time capsule. Could be. A time capsule. I did see a, a funny uh, a funny comedy sketch recently with a time capsule and they opened it and everything they brought out was um products and art and music all com- <laughs> all produced by people who have now been cancelled. Oh no. <laughs> Thankfully. No danger of that here. Can't Literally be like twice. the whole thing. It was like a record by Gary Glitter. There was uh what else? A Jim will fix it badge. A wobble board. A wobble board. Weird, weird. Everybody, everybody cancelled. What a, what a time to have been alive pre-cancellation. But you know, still pretty terrifying. Uh, <laughs> what? Other than those real life horrors, what you've been, um, what have you got in the in the official horror news for us? In the official horror news, um, I saw a couple of things today. Uh, one trailer that dropped 
bloody dropped in it. Uh, the first thing I saw was a, a screenshot of somebody's legs. And first of all, I thought, God, those legs look sunburned. But no, it was like horror film makeup legs, like <laughs> practical effects of someone's horrible old legs. Um, so it's for Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities trailer. Uh, the monsters unleashed. Well, what? It just says monsters are unleashed on Netflix. It's Halloween. So Guillermo del Toro has teamed up for a new anthology series, Cabinet of Curiosities, a collection of live action stories. That Netflix says is meant to challenge our traditional notions of horror. What would you say your traditional notions of horror are, Andy? Um, things that are scary. Things um, are scary, yeah. So what what they're saying is it's not going to be scary. Going to have a lovely time. From macabre to magical, gothic to grotesque, or classically creepy, the eight sinister tales, including two original works by Del Toro, will be brought to life by a team of writers and directors personally chosen by the Shape of Water filmmaker. Uh, yes, yeah, so this it sounds is... good. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this already. I would argue that all the adjectives they used there were all things I would traditionally associate with my current perceptions of horror, though. Creepy yeah, and curiosities and magic. All quite horror-centric words. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they're not describing it as like, you won't be able to sleep after watching this. Um, you, It's the scariest thing since, I don't know, ad popular horror thing. A quiet yeah. place. You know. From the makers of X and Y become yeah, like um from the producer, it wasn't really a producer, he just popped in for one day. From the producer of this movie, yeah. Um so apparently Friday the t- October the twenty eighth is when the entire collection of eight stories will be available on Netflix. Um Yeah, so Halloween is all gonna be going down. All of the all of the uh horror content is gonna be available. And all what another thing I don't know why I didn't mention this before is Forbidden Worlds Film Festival in Bristol, where I reside, born and bred, you know. You'll be uh, in so attendance, that, I imagine. Yeah, I'm going to be in attendance. Um, not sure in what capacity yet. Not sure if I'm going to be there for the whole event or just a couple of screenings. They've announced some of the films. I don't think they've announced all of them. However, Forbidden Worlds Film Festival, the big screen. So it's going to be on the Bristol IMAX cinema for the 28th to the 30th of October. Um, so yeah, big old screen, massive screen. How do you like your horror on the biggest screen possible, please? So some of the films on the schedule are uh, on the Friday. There's going to be Evil Dead Two. I've, do you know who's doing an intro for Evil Dead Two? Who is it? Come on, Alice Taylor Matthews. Alice Taylor Matthews, friend of the show. Alice Taylor Matthews. I think we can say that. Friend of the show, Alice Taylor Matthews. Yes, uh, that'll be fun. I think if I'm going to go to just a few of these, that's probably going to be top of my list. Just oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and other things being shown are like on the Saturday, Bride of Frankenstein, The Craft, uh, the original Halloween, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Slumber Party Massacre, uh, Sunday, a little bit different, Boxer's Omen, which I've not seen, but I know Luke oh, Condor has seen. Um, Fright Night, and then a movie called Wolf Guy, which I've never seen. Some sort of werewolf film, I guess. Um, yeah, so you can get weekend passes, just day passes for like either day. Um it's the weekend yeah. pass. I'm not sure if it's an early bird price or not, Ben. Maybe you haven't got the full spiel there. But isn't early it bird, quid? early bird weekend passes have sold out, unfortunately. Oh. Well, fortunately, fortunately for fortunately. them, unfortunately for you, the listener that may not yet have one. But I think the full weekend pass is only a tiny little bit more expensive than the early bird price. So I think get yourself involved. Um, yeah, I think we'll we'll do a little bit more promo for this coming up to it. We may 
not 100% locked in yet, but we may be able to get some of the um, organizers of the festival on the show, possibly for an interview. Um, but I reckon around about that time, we're going to have to get Alice Taylor Matthews on for another for another yeah, episode. I tell you what, I put it on the list for a while now. I mean to watch Elvira. That might be a fun one to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Wolf Guy, even. Come on. Wolf Guy, yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah, throw it out like, there. I'm gonna... I'm gonna throw it out there now. If Alice is Alice, I'm always I keep full naming her. If Alice is doing the intro for Evil Dead Two at this festival, why don't we get her in for Army of Darkness? Because we've done done because we've done one and two. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there into the into your ears as well as the ears of the listeners because we haven't locked it in. We definitely said about doing Ghost Watch for Halloween. Yes, with I believe John Crennan. Writing it down in your little. Right, writing it down on my notepad. Yeah, I mean, I'll, turn, I'll, I'll turn this page over at some point and this note will be lost, but this will help me commit it to never memory. Never turn the page over. Just leave it there, open forever. Or just write on your hand, never wash it. Uh, yeah, so that, and yeah, let's say Army of Darkness of Alice for October. Um, let's shape up that, that Halloween Halloween schedule, Halloween it's looking, lineup. It's looking solid already. What a solid month between Army of Darkness, Ghost Watch, Inevitable Halloween Ends. Oh yeah, October's looking. Oh God, I didn't even think of that already. What I'd like it if I'd like it if that was the title. Inevitable Halloween ends. Inevitable Halloween ends. Evil I like the thought of adding, adding the word inevitable to any horror sequel. You know, because it kind of gives it a bit of a <laughs> gives it a bit of a... A, bit, a bit of certainty about it, challenging everyone's concepts of horror. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. Sorry, and sorry, jumping back from that back to. Guillermo del Toro stuff, which we just mentioned. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I think there was talk of an anthology, Guillermo del Toro anthology for a while. Yeah. Didn't really hear much else of it. And then suddenly, bang, trailer. Boom, getting out there. Oh, we're living in a world of infinite and very good content. So looking forward to it. Yeah. And it looks like Guillermo del Toro is going to serve as like a host, possibly, as well for each oh, episode. He's doing a bit of crypt keeping. Doing a bit of crypt keeping, doing a bit of summit summit. There we go. Oh. Are, uh, and so, some of the stars include Rupert Grint. Uh, well, I thought it said H.P. Lovecraft then. I was like, he's been dead a long time. Uh, Ishmael Cruz Cordova. DJ Qualls. Don't know if he's a certified, he or she is a certified DJ. have no idea. Nia Vardalos. Tanika Davis. Yeah. So pretty tasty. Sorry, what were you going to say? Nice. I was going to say, you know what? No, it's not. It's highly irregular, but I brought a bit of news along this week. Highly irregular, not always recommended, um, and not integral to the part, but I'm grateful. Um, I brought along some news. I know, Ben, that you are a man that likes a nice bit of survival horror gaming. You'll never guess who's been who's had a re uh, a reboot announced. <laughs> this is actually what I've got next on, next on the list. So me and you are, as always, on a similar Perfect wavelength. Sync. There Perfect you go. Sync. Alone in the dark, back again. Yeah. Any experience was... of the old ones? Yeah, so I played, I played the really old ones, but not at the time they came out. I like went back to them because it was like, oh, this is the birth of survival horror, and I think I had them on Steam. Um, don't think I finished either of the. How many are there on P- PC? Maybe just like three, maybe. Yeah. And then there was then there was one that came out like what. 2010 ish, uh, like PS3, Xbox 360 era, and it's like. It has DVD chapters, doesn't it? Like a like a story that you can <laughs> skip to. Yeah, I, honest, I honestly don't remember. So, but apparently you, you, not so good. Not so good. Not so good. 
Mm. But um, I've always had an interest in Alone in the Dark. Like, there's not. I think my cousin used to play it a little bit when I was uh, when I was younger. I didn't really get what it was. I I feel like I may have encountered it just tangentially like that. But um, I'll give this a go. See how it starts shaping up. I think it was one of those where I was like, because I was a big fan of, you know, Resident Evil and Silent Hill and pretty much anything, survival horror. It was one of those which I thought, yeah, let's give this a go. And then I wasn't quite into it. And then it, it felt like the same sort of vein as Alan Wake. And then obviously I didn't pick up Alan Wake until until the re- remake of that, mm-hmm. remaster, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, so I'll be interested. Apparently, Mike, uh, Mikhail Hedberg is writing it and he wrote Soma and Amnesia The Dark Descent. Oh, in that case, I am immediately into. I haven't. I'm not fully aware of all the story of Amnesia, but mm. Soma, I think, is probably one of my favorite video game narrative experiences. Yeah, I think really, I'll agree with you there. Really, really good. Um, I did see that this news has poured yet more fuel on the fire. I saw a lovely picture of, <laughs> yeah, like you know, a picture of Resident Evil, it, yeah. Resident Evil remakes, and you know, Resident Evil Four remake, and. Alone in the Dark's coming back and Alan Wake too. And then they're just like Silent Hill sitting there. Very sad. Yeah. Oh, it's a shame, isn't it? But then I saw another another image which said Survival Horror fans in 2023 are going to be eating good. Dead Space remake, Resident Evil 4, Alone in the Dark remake, Alan Wake 2, you know. Horror games. Trevor horror games, man. Horror games. I mean, in terms of like the plot, of Alone in the Dark, this one, so it says encounter strange residents, nightmarish realms, dangerous monsters, and ultimately ultimately unveil a plot of rising evil. So, you know, very Alan Wake, um, but probably maybe a little bit more of a focus on horror. Although I think, didn't the makers of Alan Wake 2 say this one's going to be more horror? Yeah, they said, like, didn't they say Alan the Wake was a, a thriller, this is a, this is a yeah. horror game. <laughs> Pretty scary. Uh, there we go. That is yeah. interesting. It's being made by THQ, who have okay. got like quite a big slate of games coming up. So, okay, what else? What else have we got? Oh, there's a new movie out this week called Day Shift. Don't know if we've mentioned it previously in horror news. Maybe it was going to come out, but it's out now. It's on Netflix. Um, so it's Jamie Fox as a vampire hunter, and I think it's sort of like a sort of comedy horror. Um, but I've seen fairly middling reviews, but it hasn't been getting panned so it's probably worth a worth a watch snoop dogs in it as well netflix tells me that it's number one film in the uk today oh wow there we go uh yeah check it out i'll probably check it out this week i think even though we've got never-ending piles of content to work through yeah Um, i mean because that's that's heavily influencing unless you've got any more news ben we can come on to what we're watching Literally, the only other piece of news I had is that there's going to be, so all over the horror movie documentaries recently, apparently there's going to be a Chucky documentary, Child's Play documentary, sorry, Living with Chucky, it's inching closer to release, that's his story, uh, essential look at the impact and longevity of the Child's Play series, uh, and interviews of pretty much anyone who's anyone, anyone who's anyone, everyone who's, a- shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, um and it's got, a po- it's got a poster as well so you know when it's got a poster it's legit it's happening you don't just um, post until it's almost finished yeah exactly so that might be a reason for me to go and complete the chucky series i know you did a, a watch of of all of them i did all of them and then the series i am totally yeah. up to date ready for chucky season two first yeah. it was just really good really good 
Hmm. Uh, yeah, so that is it from me for our news. Did you have something else to say just then? No, nothing on news. I was just going to say I'm going to have a fairly limited what we've been watching this week because I know that in all of our spare moments, it's all Fright Fest content, right? Making sure we've yeah, so we can't hold it all. Can't talk about Fright Fest stuff until our episode at the end of the month. Um, we're going to be having some bonus episodes as well where we talk to some filmmakers. So keep an eye out for that in the next couple of weeks. Uh. Yeah, so in terms of what we've been watching then, is there anything that you can talk about? Um, no, because I think I already mentioned the start of the Sandman. I've only done the first episode of that. I guess because we have a tangent off to um, you know, general cinema, uh, MCU tends to feature quite a lot just because of the volume of stuff they put out. I yep. managed to find the 25 minutes spare to watch all of the I'm Groot shorts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, five minutes each. There's a there's a ghouly alien in one of them. That's a bit horror centric, I guess. But it was a good. Ghouly alien. Yeah, I've seen, big, a, I've seen a clip of a dance off. That's that's the one. Is that the one? A ghouly <laughs> alien. A bit, a bit spooky, but then it's alright. He likes dancing. <laughs> Spoilers for I'm Groot, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just a nice little bit of fun, isn't it? Oh, but that was what I've been watching. Tell you what, Ben. Again, little sideline. It's Edinburgh Fringe right now, so I've been off looking at some, yeah. looking at some comedy. No horror related comedy, but I saw some very funny comedians. I saw um, Danielle Walker, an Australian comedian who was excellent. Made me kind of a little bit, a uh, little bit nostalgic for her. She probably did it on purpose. Her show's called Nostalgia. Um, <laughs> nostalgic for memories of your own family and so on. It's um, mm. like a really nice, very funny uh, little set. And then I saw uh, Grace Campbell, who was incredibly funny. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, really, really good. I'd never seen her on anything until recently. I don't know how it passed by. She was very, very funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Saw saw some of the shows as well. It's been it's been good. I'm going to try and go back next week. If I'm not yeah buried under must, an absolute must be nice. of horror content. Yeah, it must be nice to uh, be within. I don't want to say a stone's throw, but to be nice and close to be able to. Get yourself up there, down there, up there, down there. Uh, down from here, yeah. It's bloody down, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, sweet. How about oh, you? Have you been watching anything, or are you also just working your way through well, the content? Yeah, I've seen a couple of things. So, I again, keeping on the horror documentary train, but this one was something I've been meaning to get around to for a long time. So, In Search of Darkness is a, a, a documentary about just iconic mm-hmm. 80s horror um, and it's sprawling. It's extensive. It bounces from film to film to film. Uh, one thing I noticed is that we've covered loads of these films on this podcast, like pretty much all of them that were included. I'd say like a good 75% of the films that were discussed, which made me think we've done a good cross section of like an entire decade, which is pretty impressive. And probably the 80s. Is the is the decade that we've probably watched? Uh, and... Yeah, I've not updated the spreadsheet in a little while, but I imagine the eighties was probably far and away. Yeah. I think just because of how how big horror was in that decade, probably influenced by the age we are, me myself especially as well, for <clears throat> just an, an era that I've got a real fondness for the movies because the things that were on TV when I was growing up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that. that this is a hugely sort of nostalgic look at all these all these things and again stars directors um just general horror fans um <clears throat> horror you know famous horror fans as well 
So it's got like a really good cross section of of people talking about the movies. It's, I mean, it's long. It's a, it's a several hours long. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. But something I've been meaning to get around to for a long time, and I'm glad I did. And there is a part two, um, and I think there's a part three that's slated to come out possibly oh. this year, maybe the next. So, so uh, one one a review I read was like I could watch this all day. Like if if this was 24 hours long, I'd stick it on and watch it. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And there were a few things I'd ne- that I've never seen before, which I've you know quickly added to added to a list of films that. A, I'm going to have to watch, and B, we should probably cover on this podcast. So. Oh, that's so good, though. I love things like that. I'm reading. I think you have the same book, and I apologize. I'm blanking on the name now. It's a reviewer's name, and it's their video dungeon, and it's a collection of all of their movie reviews. Um, I got it from Bristol's very own three pound bookshop. If you guys um, are in the Bristol area, between getting your um, your um forbidden worlds uh scream fest tickets you find yourselves in bristol you get yourself up that hill and you go to the three pound bookshop because any book that you could possibly want there never guess how much it is god it's three pounds some of them are cheaper than that some you of them are, that's no easy. more than three pound also if a stone's far away from there is 20th century flicks as well yeah Go and rent some videos, read about some read about some films. That's a good that's a good day out right there. That's what I'm gonna do in, in October. I'm gonna go. Right, that's it. Forbidden Worlds, between films, get yourself to a free pound bookshop, get yourself to 20th century flicks. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. But anyway, that's the kind of book I like reading because then you get the opportunity really to fill up that watch list. And I'll be reading one of these reviews. Or oh, yeah. I imagine you watching this documentary. I'm gonna get on and watch it because then it'll be like, right, no, pause. Get letterboxed out. Put that on the watch list. Mm. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah, I saw um, the the designer of the uh, the Scream Fest poster, Jim or Paint It, was having some discussion on Twitter the other day about what sounded like an excellent eighties horror movie that had like um, like an Invasion of the Body Snatchers vibe to it, um, except it was people being turned into robots. And I saw this discourse was going on and it was like, oh, it might be called Annihilator. And just based on the interactions that him and the people that were following him were trying to work out what the title of this film was. Yeah. I was absolutely sold. By the time I by the time I saw it, it had been established that that's what the name of the film was. And I was like, right, that is going straight on the watch list. That sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that it feels like it's going to have the same, watch list same, and... the same fear factor as that inexplicable horror bit from the end of Superman 3. Hmm. When you said robots, then I thought chopping more. We've got to do chopping more. We've got to do chopping more. One of my favorites. Oh, the, the content is endless. Don't worry, guys. Your friends here at Horror Hangout have got. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I think what, what, yeah, what we, the point we're trying to make here is that we're not running out of films to watch. Far from it. Quite the opposite. Um, okay. And the only other thing that I've really watched this week um, is the 1999 version of The Haunting. So of the haunting Ooh. of Hill House, but you know the haunting with Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Owen Wilson, uh, Lily Taylor. That one. I mean, I don't remember particularly liking this film. Anyway, I was trying to find some sort of films that were right, were right for me and my daughter, twelve-year-old daughter, to watch. It wouldn't you know give her too many scares or, and this this is like a rated twelve or like PG thirteen. So we watched it, but I fell asleep, you know, and I haven't fallen asleep during a film for a long time. I, I'm dead restful, against it. Lovely restful dreams, not even I'm, that. 
Oh, bloody hell, these ghosts are so they're so not scary that I feel more comfortable than ever. Uh, CGI hasn't hasn't done this film any favours, really. It's very shiny. It's very uh, PS2 era cutscene. See, I, rem- I remember it coming out at the same time as The House on Haunted yeah. Hill, which yeah. is very early 2000s new metal, stand very still, but then shake your head around in, in fast speed. This is, this film isn't scary at all, you know, and it's just it just goes through the motions of someone in the house is being affected by the ghosties. Everyone else is like, I'm fine. Someone's being affected. And it just goes on. I was thinking Liam Neeson in this is so wooden. And I quite like Liam Neeson. Um, he's so wooden. 1999 was the year he played Qui-Gon Jinn as well. So maybe he put all of his acting into, into that. Acting into into that. And he didn't have anything left over for the haunting. Or, you know, maybe it's the other way around. Who knows? Here's Qui-Gon Jinn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's Qui-Gon Jinn. If he'd just chopped Watto in half and taken Anakin Anna's mum, he'd have been all right. He would have been absolutely fine. So, yeah, I think <clears throat> I did go back and watch the ending of The Haunting after I fell asleep. And I was just like, it's just dead boring, you know? I, I remember there's a couple of moments of potential, like, oh, no, like that you kind of remember. But apart from that, it's not that great at all. I mean, if you, if you uh, perfect example, if you are looking for a film, that sort of era, people stuck in a house, that's haunted. House on Haunted Hill will sort you right out. It, feel, it just feels like that. It feels like it's that sort of film, but like with all of the gore and all of the actual horror stripped out, slurped away, slurped away, sucked dry, and it's all you've got left is you know people kind of screaming at just the DJI Zeta Jones shaped husk left. Yeah, and they got loads of that. You know when there's like oh there's a ghost in a curtain, there's a curtain flowing and there's a ghost's face in it. It's too much of that. In a curtain under a duvet, just fabric-based ghosts. Fabric ghosts, yeah. Like those, um, like those ghoul, like those ghoulies from the Lenore adverts that are made of cloth. <laughs> Imagine a horror film with them, and there are like moths. Oh, moths just tearing holes in them. Just chasing them like langoliers, I guess. Oh, consuming everything in their fabric-based world. Wow, get it, get it, uh, get it pitched. Get it pitched yeah. to Netflix. Maybe that'll be the next number one movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and apart from that, is movie of the week. Yeah, movie of the week. Nope. Movie of the week. Nope. To this. We were looking forward to it. We did a trailer reaction for it. Um, and I think what what I what I've definitely decided is that a Jordan Peele movie release is now an event. You know, obviously, Get Out was like, okay, let's see what all this is about. Us is like, it's the follow up. You know, if it's all right, then we've got a winner on our hands. And now Jordan Peele movies being released are like events. It's, you know. And I think what you can now definitely rely on is that Jordan Peele movies, even though he's, you know, beginning to, not universally, there's plenty of new faces in every one of his films, but even though with some common collaborators that you see returning, you'll get a very different movie every with everything they do, with everything they put out. Yeah, and one thing I think I've also definitely realize now is that a jordan peele movie has a very distinct style look and flavor there's like something about the dialogue something about these weird cuts and weird little inclusions thematic like inclusions that feel really weird and you kind of go like what's this about what's all that about that's strange um 
Yeah. I mean, quirky seems like a really like lame word to use to describe it, but it is like quirky. It doesn't it doesn't play into any modern horror tropes at all. No. It's got like even even like when there's a jump scare, even though there's like a traditional what feels like a traditional jump scare, it still feels different. It still feels you know, I feel like I feel like even if I hadn't seen this and you watch like a couple of minutes of a Jordan Peele movie, I think it's pretty easy to know what sort of directorial trademarks he's got going on. Definitely beginning to get a a really recognizable style about him beyond the choice of actors and the application of music, a nice visual language that he's very comfortable in delivering. I guess the main thing to say um, before we go into details before you do the the lovely intro and everything like that then we'll say here right at the top if you're new to the show nope is a new movie we will discuss it in detail there'll be spoilers we're we'll go through it and discuss elements on it fairly chronologically so if you haven't seen nope yet and you intend to and slight spoiler for our opinion i think you should i think it's pretty good um yeah go and go and do that first unless you're one of those people that doesn't care about spoilers and it doesn't affect your enjoyment at all because yeah. we will we will touch on everything that happens as we go we'll through. We'll touch it. on everything and I'll guess it's one of, it's one of these films where we need to try and work out what our interpretation of certain things is as well because it's not as straightforward as that. My background, if you're watching the video, could potentially be considered a spoiler. However, I only decided to include it because it's in the trailers. Um, I've maybe heard not, that the last trailer goes a bit far. Maybe not the first trailer, but it's in quite a lot of the trailers. Um, yeah, I don't somehow i don't know how but obviously this came out in the us maybe three weeks ago and we only just got it in the uk so i don't know how i managed to avoid pretty much all spoilers i think and i'm not entirely sure how i saw a couple of things that i thought were minor spoilers but after watching the movie i was like well it's not really a spoiler it's just something that's in the film and it's not key to yeah the the thing that was spoiled for me one last warning if you're not here for spoilers was akira slide yeah, I yeah I did see that. I think again, I think Akira Slide is in like a TV spot or something. So I think that's what I saw it in. And the only other thing I saw was um, what's his name? What's the monkey's name? Gordy. Gordy. Yeah. The only thing I saw, I started seeing some artwork based on Gordy. So I was like, okay. And then I kind of realized there was a certain seat. There was a certain thing in the trailer where we weren't sure what it was. It looked like a fist bump. If you remember a little hand. Yes. It looks like an alien hand. And we were like, what the hell is that? Is that an alien hand? turns out it's Gordy, but you know, still we'll explain. We'll get into it. Um, So first I will just tell you a bit about the film. So Nope is a 2022 American science fiction horror film written, directed, and produced by Jordan Peele under Monkey Paul produ- under the Monkey Paul Productions banner, starring Daniel Kaluuya, K- Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yoon, Michael Wincott, and Brandon Perea. It follows two ranch-owning siblings who attempt to capture evidence of an unidentified flying object, a UFO, or U E A. What did he say? Oh, they do say that there's UAE. an alternative. No. Yeah, maybe we'll get maybe we'll get into that. So here's one interesting little thing I just wanted to mention as well before this is apparently this title was rumored initially to be an acronym for not of planet Earth or not our planet Earth based on the movie poster. But Peel later revealed that the title refers just to the reaction he hoped to elicit elicit from the audiences. And I think that's kind of what everybody kind of thought initially, wasn't it? It's quite a it's quite a common thing that we kind of 
it's probably been used in horror movies as based on certain characters. It kind of reminds, it's got that meta narrative thing that kind of reminded me of like Scream or something, you know. There's bound to be a scene in Scream or, or a similar slasher where someone's just looked somewhere and gone, nope. Yeah. See you later. It gives me big um, scary movie vibes where the characters yeah. like that, that are a little bit more um, in the business of commenting on, like, I guess the production of horror. Being, nope, not going down that spooky staircase. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this is a. I'll, I'll I'll go into a couple of choice reviews in a second. But I just wanted to say that this feels like a really sort of. How can I? It's got like a bit of an Amblin slash Spielberg vibe to it. I going was thinking on. exactly the same. It gave me big, um, big Super Eight energy. Big Super Eight energy. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and even and I've seen this. I've already seen this. It it was kind of like a thought I had, but I didn't quite manage to flesh out the thought until I started reading things about the movie after I'd seen it. A bit of Jaws going on. And I think the main yeah. reason there's a bit of Jaws going on is the soundtrack. There's this soundtrack, which feels very John Williams. And it's got like, not so much in terms of like the Jaws main theme, like the sort of da 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 not so much that, but just like the that sort of stuff. Nailed it. Uh, but, you know, that's sort of like, it's a weird kind of like playful, almost like, obviously you get a lot of it in John Williams with like Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park as well, where it's like tension, 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 something terrible is going to happen. But, oh, it's playful and we're a little bit like it's a bit of an adventure, but also yeah. scary. Yeah, you're right. Like big Jaws energy in this. And with the people that they get involved as well, like as the crew comes together. Um, yeah, there's a big... The other thing that give, that gets me, that really got me thinking about this film was Jordan Peele has obviously reached a point in his career where it feels like, and maybe if you read behind the scenes stuff, it, it isn't true, but this feels like a film where the wider network of producers and studio execs and so on know this is a creator who knows what he is doing. And it, I didn't feel the hand of much studio interference in this one it mm. felt like he told the story that he wanted to tell i think a more <clears throat> traditional corporate audience might have wanted to tweak this this that or the other yeah and i guess it feels bigger budget as well where like get out was like obviously very well made but maybe felt a little bit like saving their money maybe every most of the actors are in it twice i mean hell <laughs> What a saving? Oh, wait, that's us. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, that's yeah, us. Yeah. I was working. I was working backwards. <laughs> You're working backwards. But still, the point you just made about us totally makes sense. Yeah. Somebody actors. Well, can you play this character as well? well I don't know. Yeah. Can you do? Can you do your character? But if they were a baddie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. I reckon. Uh, but but yeah. So it just feels like the, a lot more money has been thrown at this, and that's maybe why it feels so much more. Like, I don't want to say it doesn't feel like high budget, but at the same time, there's something about it. It's got like a gloss, a gloss to it that makes it feel like this. Yeah, I've already said right. it feels like an event film, but it also feels like it's not. It does again. It doesn't feel like a straight up horror. You could consider it a adventure film, a science fiction mm, because it's certainly like a science fiction thriller. Science and fiction, right? Thriller, it's yeah. like one of these things that's in. It's largely set in like a ranch in the middle of nowhere 
in a in a location you'd imagine is open for miles in all directions and land is still plentiful yet it feels like the most expensive and well-crafted ranch in the middle of nowhere that has ever existed mm. perfect design to every detail <clears throat> yeah uh i'm moving on from that it's doing well in terms of being rated by critics and audiences so we've got 7.4 on imdb 4.0 on letterboxd 82 percent critic score 68 percent audience score so i guess a little bit less because Maybe some people are thinking more of a traditional horror, maybe more of a traditional alien invasion-esque film. You know, there are certain things they would expect, and it's a bit... It'll be interesting to see how that settles now it's been launched internationally. Is it... Mm. I assume if it's been in the US ahead of us, yeah, I think it was pretty much in North America until this weekend, and then this week it seemed to work for the rest so, yeah. of the world. I'd be interested to see which direction that goes now it's a broader audience hmm. yeah okay i've got some choice reviews so 24 frames of nick has rated it four and a half stars and he says giant gaping butthole in the sky eats californians nice pretty much uh holly amanda she says the feeling when you're so hungry you could eat a horse four stars very good uh james says um, if it's so hard to get footage of this thing, then how did the cameraman of the movie get footage of it so often? Four stars. Uh, <laughs> Morgan, three and a half stars, says, what would you do if an alien took a huge dump on your house? What would you do? Uh, yeah, so that's that's that. It looks like, obviously it's got a score of 4.0 on Letterboxd as well. It looks like people are kind of into it. I've seen a lot of people sort of rating the Jordan Peele not an official trilogy, obviously, but the three movies so far. And a lot of people are saying this is the best one. So I don't know how I feel about that yet. I don't know. I feel like there might be a tiny bit of recency bias to that. Like, this is the one I've seen recently. I remember coming out of Angley's Incredible Hulk going, Blumin' hell, best oh, yeah. movie I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, like, punch cars into a, into a little, <laughs> little cube. Did you, did you see a poodle walking down the street and you went, Come here! Put on some put on some whole cans and just smashed yeah. it, um, it to death. Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of recency bias behind that, and that's not to take anything away from this um, from this film. But I also think that of all, well, certainly amongst creators' first three films, this is quite a difficult one to separate them out because they're all tonally very different. Yeah, they are totally very different. I think at the moment, though, and I'm just looking at like how I've rated these films before, I think they're all equally as good, but for different reasons. Like, <laughs> I'm fe I feel like I'm rating them all fairly... Like, if I'm thinking in my head, which movie of these three would I want to watch again, like, tomorrow? Well, I think I'd take any of them. I feel like, uh, what are we sticking on? Nope, we're sticking on us. We're sticking on Get Out. I'll take, a I'll take them all. You'll watch them yeah. all. But again, tone the fact that they're totally very different is... Very interesting, especially considering that Get Out was like a social commentary, had a lot, had a lot of sort of stuff to say about race. Um, it's not like Jordan Peele sort of taken that his his successful movie, which I think was recognized by the Academy as well. Did it not? Did it get a nomination for something? Maybe like a screenplay nomination? Uh, um, Get Out. I think that was the one that kicked off the whole. Um... Elevated horror, where it's elevated like, horror stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't nominate genre pieces for for <laughs> for, for, for awards because 
God forbid a horror film just be good. Well, what uh, I'm saying is, it, uh, even though even though this film's got some social commentary, yes, us has got some social commentary, yes. It's not like he's gone. This film is successful. That's my bag. This yeah. is the, he this hasn't, is the horror, he hasn't the horror said like that. I am a I am a social commentary filmmaker. There's definitely yeah. still social commentary, the race relations, horror. Um, which of course, like I'm sure, if he included elements like that in a, in this movie and us, then I would. I'm sure he would do. He would do it very well. But I'm just saying it. It's kind of good that he's still decided to continue to take those risks and make things that are kind of, kind of just like unconventional, a bit nuts, a bit out there, yeah. a bit like just a bit odd as well. You know, like in terms of, in terms of the actual content of what the movie is about. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of actual content, where do we where do we begin this time? Oh well, I guess I'll quickly just mention the cast. So we've got Daniel Kaluuya, um, who returns as did he win an Oscar? Did he win an Oscar for um Judas and the Black Messiah? He did win one, I think, for that. I'll have to have a look. Yeah, I'll have to have a look. Um yeah, so obviously he's back with working with Jordan Peele after Get Out. He is Otis Jr. OJ Haywood. Um, Kiki Palmer is Emerald Haywood. Um, Stephen Yoon is Ricky Dupe Park, who's a former child actor, owner, creator of a theme park, which is really close by to the ranch where these guys live. Oh, obviously, the Haywoods are horse trainers for Hollywood as well. We got to mention. Um, Brandon Perea is Angel Torres, who's like a tech salesman. Great character. Thought he was really yeah, good. He was funny. Uh, Michael Wincott is Antlers Holst, who's like a cinematographer. Uh, and then Keith David is also involved. Um, um, Otis Hayward Sr. He's yeah. the father of um, OJ and M. Um, uh, just before we move on from Casper, I can confirm your awards knowledge was absolutely on point and Daniel Kaluuya did win his his Oscar that, he's, yeah, that he has so far for Best Supporting Actor. Supporting actor. Yeah, because I think him and, him and Lakeith Stanfield got nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that movie, I believe, even though, I guess... They were kind of both leads, yeah. Um, so obviously on the back, off the back of that, it's great to sort of see him involved. Stephen Yoon, I think, since The Walking Dead, has had a few roles that have sort of elevated his his stature, especially um, in terms of genre filmmaking. Is it um, a film called Burning? I think I saw that he was in, which I think did quite. What was that film called as well? With the, just trying to think of. There was a film where it was almost like a violent sort of. I can't think of what it is, but I think he's in Sorry to Bother You as well. Mayhem, that's it. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. Mayhem. Okay. Mayhem. It's like an action comedy film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good to see him still excelling with the roles he's in as well. Uh, Kiki Palmer, obviously, like an up-and-coming. She was in the Scream series um, from 2019. Um, she'd been in sev- several movies. I think she was wasn't she like a Nickelodeon star as most well at of, some point. Most of them are, aren't they? That's where they come from. Yeah, but she gets to do she gets to do an Akira slide, which not many people get to do in their uh, in their lives, let alone in a major. What a what a, what a moment! What a moment! Yeah. <clears throat> so this film opens with um, there is a a Bible quote, a Bible verse on the screen first, which is Nahum three six, and it says, "I will cast abominable filth on you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle." Sounds horrible, really, isn't it? What's your favourite bit of the Bible? This bit. I mean, it's all full of pretty horrible stuff, but this bit 
I'm going to make you a spectacle. Cast abominable filth on you. Um, so, so yeah, some of the themes are probably open to interpretation and we will get to them. But there is a... When it opens, it opens in 1998. And it goes back to this a few times. We don't get the full story in the first scene. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a voiceover which sounds like a crew talking to a sitcom cast, getting them ready to film an episode where a particular thing person it's their birthday i don't think we 100 percent know exactly what's happening but then we do get a little bit of a shot where carnage has erupted on this sitcom sound stage there's blood there's bodies everywhere and then a, a blood blood soaked chimpanzee in a yellow jumper and dungarees he got dungarees on he's definitely got a full outfit on he's definitely got a yellow jumper on he's got, got a, a birthday, got a party birthday hat, hat on and he's this this was creepy mind because the way this shot ends did get me. Like I was a bit like, there's a, there's something about it in horror, a shot of something unexpectedly breaking the fourth wall, looking directly at you, or if it's a POV shot or something like that. Um, something about it that really puts the willies up me, for lack of a better description. And I'll tell uh, you what, of all the things that you wouldn't want looking at you, bloody blood-soaked chimp, Where's everybody gone as well? Has everybody just ran away? I guess you do one, wouldn't you? If there's if there is a Gordy going absolutely berserk. Yeah. So we see we, we, don't, we don't know what's at this point we don't know what set him off, but later on we find out. Um, um so he... Yeah. Eight hey, like chimpanzees. Lovely creatures. I prefer them to be in the jungle though, where they live and they're not eating my face. Yeah. I think after that story of the chimpanzee ripping that woman's face off, it's become part of my constant psyche. You know, when no matter what somebody says, if somebody mentions a chimpanzee, think, it's oh, the first thing you think of. They'd have my face they'd, they'd and they'd bits off face before, off, before you could say off. Jack Robinson. <laughs> Jack Robinson. Um, yes, yeah, so obviously the chimpanzee stares straight down the down the barrel of the gun, straight down the camera. <laughs> Not a professional actor at all. Look at him looking yeah. right down the camera. <laughs> You'll never make it in this business, mate. Pretty gaudy. And then it cuts to title. But I don't know. Something about that shot really did get me. It reminded me a bit of, do you remember the shot in 28 Days Later when um, old Killian Murphy walks into the church and he just sees piles of bodies everywhere. And he, and he, shout, and he shouts down to the shouts he, down to the priest. goes, oi. And he, goes, he shouts, hello. And a horrible, horrible, <laughs> not possessed, but a horrible infected priest just turns and looks. Well, there's more than one who turns and looks. Yeah, they all just look up at him. It's horrible, man. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, horrible. It is is horrible. I tell you what, though, again, this goes to show I would take all of those horrible um, infected blokes having a look at you than just one of those chimps. Infected monkeys in bloody 20 days later as well at the start. Calls everything. Um so yeah, we come back to this in a bit. It cuts to title and it's in present day and we're introduced to Otis Jr. and Otis Sr., Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Keith David. The man himself, Keith David. Um, yeah. My only I'm sadness here is that you don't you don't see more of him in this. I mean, it's a good introduction. He's a great like character for the short time he's in there and obviously he's not he's here for a good time not for a and long great time. that like someone from horror royalty essentially someone who's been in so many of the best horror movies out there 
is in this film, even even as like a small role. I think it just shows the knowledge and the respect for the genre that that Jordan Peele has. Like, because you know, you could cast anybody, but I I imagine. I mean, I'm just just uh, guessing, but I can imagine him just looking out and going, right, let's get Keith David. Yeah, let's get this. Keith David, the absolute boss of like oh, such. You could rattle off the great movies that Keith David is in and you would be <clears throat> out of breath long before I'm, you finished. I'm upset that him and Daniel Kaluuya don't have a don't have a punch up like he did in They Live. Yeah, he wanted Brody to Piper. beat the shit out of him, throw some sunglasses on his chest and go, fuck you. <laughs> Literally, I mean, got me the best fight sequence yeah. ever. Best um, fight sequence ever on film. They talk about that in In Search of Darkness, the documentary hey. I mentioned. Uh, they talk about how long they practiced it for, and initially it was supposed to be like I don't know, a couple of punches thrown. But they after after they worked out this whole sequence, John Carpenter was like, "Just do it all." <laughs> do it all. <laughs> what a movie! Hmm. Sometimes I watch just that scene. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, so so obviously they they like train and handle horses, and I think they're talking at this point about taking the horses to some sort of shoot. Wherever, I think they say, oh, if we do well, they'll ask us back for the sequel. Um, and as as um, Daniel Kaluuya's character walks toward, back towards the house of the ranch, is there like some sort of rumble in the sky or some yeah. sort of something going on? There's a bit of a wobble to the, to the sky and something goes on. And then poor old Keith David, turn you back for just a second, the horse is kind of walking out of the paddock and he falls off. Hmm. And he's had a had a penny in the eye. Yeah, well, obviously things start falling from the sky, like loads of things just start hitting on the ground, and you don't really know what it is. Whether it's like, I don't know, weather. What was it called? Hail, like a hailstorm or something. It's just loads of things, and then we see there's like a key jammed in the arse of the horse. Of the horse. If that's not how you start them. <laughs> Come on. Start, just, come on, be a good boy. Come you just on. get, you just get on them. They do it themselves. They push the start. Where do, where do I put, where do I put a petrol head? Lift that tail up. Lift that tail up. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so the horse gets a key in the ass, and Keith David gets a quarter in the eye, and Daniel Kaluuya runs over, and he's driving him to hospital, and he's trying to keep him awake by like saying. I don't know, getting to like remember things and these trying to say the names of the horses, maybe. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's it. Say the names of the horses. But unfortunately, quarter through the eye, no matter how many horses you name, that's that's gonna do you in. <laughs> a certain amount of time you'll just start saying the words that are on the quarter. I don't know what words are written on the In quarters. through his eye or like in through the back of his head. In through his eye, I think. What was he doing? Because he looked almost like he was hunched over like that. So I, I guess they were limiting the, the visible to get in a Probably looking up to it happens, but yeah, he's had a yeah, he's true. had a quarter for the eye. The problem is as well as this, using your dad using the name of horses to keep him cognizant and keep him yes, compass mentis and going through there. Names of horses probably nonsense sometimes. Especially I mean, if you think of race horses. You think yeah. you think, are you are you <laughs> saying the names of horses or have you got a brain injury? Because then you're like Blue, <laughs> yeah. blue velvet, red rum. Never on a Sunday. Don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. help him, mate. Yeah, well, the horse in this, what are they called? Ghost, Clover, Lucky, and there's like Jean Jacket, who's who's talked about, it, and that's obviously more significant as we go on. But yeah, obviously, Jean I'll Jacket, keep... Banana Rama, 
Jean jacket, banana rama, uh, bag, waistcoat. Um, Eric Cantona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So unfortunately, Keith David does do, pass, do, does pass yeah, away. We, we do lose him. At this we point. do lose him. But oh, it's senior. Oh, it's junior. Sorry, gains a quarter. He's given the quarter that killed his dad. Um, in a little plastic baggie. Doesn't that make me feel any better, you know? No. So, Otis Jr. and Emerald, they inherit the ranch. And in the next scene is OJ trying to keep the business afloat, essentially. He's at another uh, film shoot, or or is it an advert shoot? It's an advert shoot. But before we... Yeah. He mentions his name's OJ to when he introduces himself and it's how it stands for Otis Jr. Yeah. Do you think that if you're the junior when your when your dad passes away do you have to keep junior or should it do you it's absorb his power like the highlander <laughs> you just drop down to your knees and just just slowly go girl go to oj's like strong silent type pretty much isn't he i mean sure he talks but he's he seems like he's the kind of person who's like I don't know. He Over does. It. The, he's doing the. He's doing the work. He's doing like he's an expert in doing what he does. He seems to enjoy the work he's always done with his dad with the horses, mm. but he isn't so fond of what they've been doing. Um, you know the the Hollywood side, the show, the 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 yeah. business side of things, the... the business side, and like the people he's kind of like got got to mix with and have a sort of a certain yeah he's kind of like over it all of the all of the sort of the old that? razzle dazzle all the old razzle dazzle that goes alongside hollywood and dealing with all these directors and you know anybody essentially the stars and of course m does the kind of like show side of it um because at one point he has to do a safety briefing and he starts doing it but luckily m turns up late Ever so tardy, as I think she says. She says um, apologies for the tardiness. Apologies but... for the tardiness. And she does the big sort of bombastic um, pre- presentation. She's happy to be in the spotlight. Um, and it's kind of the intro to the whole thing. And she begins with, and to be fair, I haven't had time to look into how closely this mirrors reality. I, I guess there's no reason to make this up. But she points out that what is the first ever visible like motion picture that was made and it is a short plate of a black man riding on a horse Hmm. and she points out that their family is related to that man who was simultaneously the first movie star the first you know person that made this film possible and the first stuntman all in all in one and no one really knew it no one else would really be able to name him but he is related to them it's their family but they say since the start of motion pictures, they've had skin in the game, is what she says, um, which I think gets a gets a laugh from one person, maybe the director. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. And then obviously she does also kind of like promote herself at the end of this as well. She says mm. that she's an actress, um, motorcyclist. She's right. She's other things. Uh, basically all the jobs. All the jobs. And I think OJ's a little bit, um, his nose is a bit out of joint because of that he's a bit like oh come on bloody hell he, i mean yeah he's straight up you know when you loads of professional people might be like i'm great at this but you know i don't like doing the communication side of things the promotion side of things all of the crap that might go alongside 
my job that I enjoy. So in a way, these two are kind of perfect in a way, but I think M's got this little bit of... Um... And then she's away, like he then would like her to help with the actual job, but she's off networking. So... Yeah, she walks it. I mean, even I was getting frustrated in this moment because I, I was kind of felt like, oh, I know. I know how that feels when you're like, kind of, you want the support from somebody in this particular moment because he's telling people on set not to get too close to the horse, not to touch the horse and stuff like that. And don't it's not his... It, don't look at him in the eyes. They don't like it, apparently. Yeah. And then, obviously, someone uses a reflective... What is that thing? Are they checking Are the you... light levels? Are they just... I don't know, really. Right by the horse, and the horse kicks out and... What does he do? Just knock. He doesn't hit somebody, does he? He just knocks something out of somebody's hands. Yeah, he just knocks the powder everywhere. And it's annoying because then they lose the job. And I'm a bit like, hang on a minute. It's not anyone's fault, but the people who were like swarming the horse. So, yeah. A little bit frustrating. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe it's very different when you're in Hollywood. I'm not a Hollywood commercial person, Ben. Uh, but I feel like. I've not been around horses never. I'm around horses enough that if I see a horse, I would would be like, oh, cool, I've never seen one of those. Yeah. But I still feel, even with that level of familiarity, yeah. I'm always quite cautious when there's a horse about because I feel like they're big animals that could kick me hard enough to stop my heart. Yeah, they'll just kick you kick you right in the, yeah, right in the face. Yeah, uh, or kick you hard enough to stop your heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kick you hard enough to stop your heart, or like kick your entire face off. Like horses are big, quite scary animals, which I think famously people know can be scared by like loud noise and stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. You did. This is apparently this is six months after um, Otis Senior died as well. So yeah. um, obviously, it's not long since that happened, and I think even the, one of the directors on the or one of the directors producers or somebody says like what happened to the old man or something he says he died he died died in an accident obviously they 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 were comfortable with him and now it's now it's the son taking the reins of the business they're probably a little bit unsure yeah and they fire them which is yes annoying it's the Um, director that i think talks to them and he is quite nice but he said look you know it's just it's just this one don't worry there'll be other things are gonna other things are gonna come up don't yeah, because yeah. obviously they've got a lot of horses, but because of the financial woes, OJ has been selling his horses to somebody, and that's where we go next. Um, so they drive to someone called Jupe, um, at a place called Jupiter's Claim, which is like a small Western theme park, uh, and it's run by Jupe, who is played by Stephen Yoon, so Ricky Park. But his nickname's Dupe. And we find out that they've got like a TV show and uh, he's a former child actor. He used to be uh, in like a little kid cowboy program, right? Which is, I guess, why he has a... Yeah, why he's gone all in on a Western-themed... Uh, on a Western-themed park. Uh, so yeah, basically, OJ goes there, tries to do business with him, selling him the horse who is lucky. It's lucky, isn't it? He sells yeah. lucky. And they're doing a bit of business. M kind of is around being a bit... I guess being a bit annoying, just looking at all of the memorabilia that that uh, Dupe has got on the wall, all these photos, kind of asking all these questions. And it's then that the connection between present day and the scene at the start of the movie starts to take shape. Yeah, and he, he shows them into like his secret memorabilia room 
which has yep. got loads of things about his other famous show. So he did a um, did like a cowboy show where he was like the Milky Bar Kid, um, <laughs> using Probably the creamiest that. milk and the whitest bars <laughs> to, um, to to save the day in the old west. Uh, after that, he got a job on something called oh, what was it called? Like my pal Gordy or Gordy's Home was called Gordy's Home. Yeah, it was on on a show called Gordy's Home that was immensely popular. But then basically, um, um, um knows about it. She says, "Oh, didn't that ape go crazy yeah. one day?" Um, <laughs> and, ape go ape shit. Yeah. yeah, and um, and Gordy says, "Yeah." Women did, uh, and I've got all of the things about it here. And he's the only he's... thing I kind of found a little bit strange about this is that he doesn't seem too like traumatized by it. No. Like I kind of thought, especially when you see the flashbacks towards this, I thought that maybe there would have been more about the trauma he was experiencing from that, and why perhaps he can, he still kept all this memorabilia in this special sort of closed off area where he, he had like props from the show and photos and recordings and all these things yeah it was weird because i thought especially considering how the kid there's a, there's an extended sequence where we find see to see him as a kid like terrified of gordy like going ape shit um but yeah he doesn't seem particularly bothered that this is probably one of my only problems in terms of character wise i thought that this character dupe didn't feel like there was much going on for him I don't know. I don't know how you felt about that. Yeah. I'm not sure that, like, I can see how he's got there. It felt almost like these people could have been two characters at a time because there's the background that leads him to open this thing. But I almost feel like his experiences as a, as a, of a, as a child would perhaps give him the opposite reaction to what he is what he's yeah. doing later on here but um you know i can i can go with it it doesn't take me out of it entirely but also looking at this with hindsight i think you know how impressionable and how things influence you when things happen as a child bearing in mind ben put this up on the show before i still grind my teeth about the mrs radford and you know not saying <laughs> Hang on not a answer, you've not, not mentioned not, that. Not answering, not, not answering the register correctly. I yeah. have never, as a as a impressionable teen, like a young teen, I've never seen people I work with and know really well and probably consider almost members of my family getting thumped to death and eating, having their faces eaten off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I wanting think... to make a little exhibition of of your yeah. time on that show. Yeah, and then and then. I've never seen those things happen. I feel fairly confidently that if I was to, was to experience that, I'd be fucked up forever. Not just telling like a fun story about it. Yeah. I guess people deal with things differently. Mm. He deals with it because there are, he mentions there are fans that do it. And then a Dutch couple paid, paid him like 20 grand to sleep in his trophy room overnight because they yeah. love Gordy and Gordy's home. I mean, the idea that ape punched a girl and yeah. ate a man's face. I really enjoy, obviously, we see that there's like a sort of shoe that's got a little couple of specks of blood on it that he's got in a cabinet. And then we see, when, when we do the flashback, we see the shot of that shoe perfectly balanced, um, standing up after during the ape attack. And, you know, little touches like that are 
are really good and I do really appreciate them. I just I just think it was maybe a slightly missed opportunity to have the character of Dupe be this kind of like it was weird. I didn't really know what to gain from him because he seemed like he was kind of at odds with the I don't know. I felt, I felt like he needed to be one thing or another. He needed to be a character who was like traumatized and damaged or a character who was also traumatized and damaged, but maybe a bit of a bastard going up against these, you yeah. know, exploit exploiting them by taking their horses off them, maybe for a, a price lower than what they were, what they were um, worth. What they're, what they're actually worth. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's difficult to pass because that is effectively what he's doing. He is taking the bit and he wants to, he wants to try and buy his horses back, but obviously we yeah. find out later that's not going to possibly excuse the squeaking, by the way, Axel's got a, Ball that he's insisting on playing with here. I won't sell him to dupe. It sounds um, really strange. It sounds like uh, one of those uh, tubes. Yeah, it is. It's several of them in a ball that I can't be certain whether he loves or hates it, but he does intensely play with it sometimes. Yeah, just... both probably, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, that'll that'll continue momentarily in the background. Apologies, but yeah, his his actions that he's doing are kind of at odds with how he acts outwardly. Like he doesn't play hardball with mm. with OJ. He doesn't say, "Nah, nah, sales are final. I've sold that horse on." Or yeah, or like, "Oh, I just." Want... But he wants to buy the entire ranch off them. But he's he's very. I'll buy he, ranch feels, ranch. he feels quite open and friendly with them. And that's the yeah. offer he makes off, off camera. And there's the as the as OJ and and Emma walking away, he tells them he's he's offered to buy the entire ranch off me. I just thought maybe this this film needed something like that. Needed like a an antagonist who wasn't, you know, the the main threat. Yeah. In terms, in terms of his otherworldly thing. But maybe like somebody who was like constantly throwing spanners in the work for these for these characters who are trying to, you know, film the film the the UFO, um, sell their horses and stuff like. That. I, I just felt like it needed something, and I thought someone was introduced. I thought there was a character that was introduced that was going to be that foil and kind of make things Hard go work. a little bit tits up, but that person was killed off fairly quickly. Um, so yeah, I think that was the only one. Of my, I haven't got too many too many criticisms of this film, but I think in terms of that just don't you just don't quite follow that character in particular yeah i was a little bit yeah so is it now we get the the exact flashback of what happened or do we still just see a bit i guess we might as well talk about what happened yeah we've we've brought it up let's mention it i think it's a little bit later that we get it but at some point we do see um dupe have another think about this because he is standing in his office before the big it's he's standing in his office before he goes and does his show at the ranch. Mm. And I, and it looks like the flashback we see he's thinking about. So yeah, we go back to the scene from early in the movie a little bit later. And in it, we see it's a really. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mint mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The classic 90s sitcom moment, right? It's, mm. um, you know, a real, like a family and they're together having a, having a birthday party for a chimpanzee. Uh, and you know the dad has been embarrassed because like he's got him like a rubbish present um yeah that you know we 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 walk in halfway through the jokes and we don't really see he's like oh i've always set this watch to this time because that way you'll know and it's like oh yeah you've got a crap present and then the daughter comes in and she's got him a big a big box full of balloons and i guess the parallels here are with the the horse that we see get spooked on the film set with the reflection in the light but there's another this is another example of this same behavior where a balloon pops on set and it it spooks a chimp now you spook a horse on set you might get kicked worst scenario is the horse runs and maybe does some terrible damage to itself and people around there a little Mm. stampede on your hands there but the chimp goes crazy on set. My goodness, don't you know about it? Um, and it's not. I don't think it's gratuitous at any point. Quite often, the visuals will will cut. We don't overtly see a yeah an ape going absolutely hog wild on a we essentially on a see it from, come actors from Dupe's point of view for pretty much the entirety, don't we? Yeah, he's yeah. under the table. Um, and you see uh, he's hiding under the table. You see him looking out, and you sort of see through the film of this tablecloth. Um, um, Gordy, quite roughly, you see him like you can see there's a the girl is breathing quite raspy breaths, and he runs up and he's thumping her kind of off, doing the classic for players of Super Smash Brothers, if you play as Donkey Kong and use his down a special attack when he does the oh you're you're like the hammering on the floor, <laughs> yeah. he does um he basically does that attack on her, um yeah yeah he uh, he's hammering effect and you hear some, even... you hear some crunching he's eating this this person's face off yeah so even though we don't see the face off bit we do get confirmation of some face-off stuff, some yeah, maulings some, happening. face-off antics, and then the, the guy who was playing the dad basically wanders through and the ape also chases him, and I, I assume is, he catches him off set and kills him. Then Gordy comes back in. We get the bit we saw at the beginning of the movie where he looks through 
But at this point, maybe he is... Because at this time, he's, he's already been nudging the girl again and nudging her shoe. Perhaps he's having had time to calm down. Obviously, an ape thinks about things in a slightly more complex fashion. Despite still being a wild animal, they think in a slightly more complex way than other animals might. And he is calmed at this point, perhaps a little bit. And you see, even though it's still quite scary, he has seen Gordy. Un- not, not Gordy, he's the ape. The ape is Gordy. Gordy sees Jupe under the table. Hmm. He comes He comes over to him and he, and he already seems less agitated. Um, we saw when we were at Jupe's ranch earlier on, he showed that that fist bumps were a thing that he said that the you know the first exploding fist bump on television was in Gordy's home, and you see he doesn't attack him. He puts his hand under the table, which in the trailer, because why would you expect there to be a chimpanzee in this movie? Yeah. Um, you you think it might be an alien's hand because yeah. of your strange looking hands. He offers him a fist bump, and then as as Jupe goes to give him one back, um, Gordy is. Shot. They sh- they they murder him. They murder him just like Harambe. Harambe. Yeah. Gordy has killed two. Pe- well, killed one and a half people. Um. So, you know, they they shoot him, and that is the end of that that scene. Um, it, so Dupe also mentions in this in this moment. Sorry, I thought I just mentioned this as well just before you finish. He also mentions he's like, um, I'll, I would explain it to you, but you might as well watch this Saturday Night Live sketch um, with these people playing it. And he seems like over the moon that him, he's been kind of immortalized essentially in a Saturday Night Live sketch for something that was traumatic. And in a way, it's like he's taken that trauma and like properly buried it um, and kind of just tried to look at the benefits of this tragedy in a way where he's like, Look, I can make money from having. I, I was in that show, so I can make money from having all the things. And Saturday Night Live done a sketch about it, and sure, people got their faces ripped off and people got murdered. But at the same time, I'm kind of, I kind of made money from it. I made a career and a legacy from it. And I just think about how. Obviously, we will get to this, but how does that plot line and how does that instance relate to how he tries to make some sort of thing happen with this UFO? Yeah, jean jacket. Obviously, we will uh, get. I, I, I'd not thought about it until you just mentioned it then. But the the piece with the Saturday Night Live analogy, really interesting bit of storytelling there. Because if you consider it, it's kind of like a traumatic event <coughs> has happened. Essentially, probably one of the most terrible things you can imagine seeing as a a person. Yeah. Uh, you know, and also being incredibly scared for your own life at the same time. But when he revisits it with other people, the fact that he doesn't tell, he doesn't tell the traumatic story of this thing that happened to him. He tells a a sanitized and different version. He avoids having to retell that horrible story himself by basically saying, well, there is a comedy version of this. It was done by actors. You're not telling the story of this horrible thing that happened to you. You're telling, you're retelling the synopsis of a comedy sketch. Yeah. Almost In many like, ways, it's it's almost like it's almost like us doing it here on this podcast. If we watched the, if we watched a film so horrible and so terrifying that it was really hard to describe, that we spared all of our listeners the terror by by talking about it. 
someone who was so triggered by that film. So if someone has watched Spookums 8, the, the scariest horror film ever made, someone go, oh, what happens in Bloody Spookums 8 then, mate? And they go, I couldn't tell you, but I'll tell you what, listen to uh, episode um, 495 of the Horror oh Hangout. Wow. They, they, we've, got, we've got to make sure we get through Spookums 1 through 7, obviously. Yeah. I, put it, I put it far enough into the future. I can't, I can't describe it, but Andy Conduit Turner has got some fantastic uh, take. Yeah. Hot they, take. They, 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 they talk about it. So you're kind of separating yourself from that trauma, I guess is what I'm getting at. Really interesting point. And I wonder... Mm. Where that, where yeah. the inspiration? Because I imagine that must happen, right? I imagine people might look at it and things like that. Yeah, I expect so. Same uh, way, Ben. You're, you're bringing her up. We talked about her before podcast. Your, your, your dear old mom. I know that her favorite movie, Titanic. Yeah, she could talk about the plot of the film Titanic, and it's separate, separate. It's a piece of entertainment, far less harrowing for any really old people that she might be talking to than talking about the actual sinking of that cruise liner. <laughs> yeah exactly pretty much uh i love titanic it's really great well i hate it because i was there and it was terrifying and i only just survived i ended up climbing onto a, onto a door uh but there was only just enough room for me on it um luckily um i survived it was great um me and my treasure that i had with me there's no room for Leonardo DiCaprio to go into the inky depths <laughs> exactly but yeah. i think yeah the point the the point stands that something that is traumatic for some you know maybe they deal with it in one way or another but your memory of it may be completely different based on your first exposure mm. to it um yeah and as i mentioned the story of um that lady getting her face chewed off by an ape in real life has always kind of stuck with me when anyone ever goes this chimpanzee right these pg tips adverts <laughs> yeah, Jeff- pg tips adverts i go Jeez. Jeff tips everybody nuts off lickety split. Look at the tagline. That's the tagline for it. Love your nuts off. Look at split. Uh okay. So we get the Gordy's home sort of subplot, which is I guess open to interpretation how you want to think of it as being, but in the same sort of way as the us movie with the hands around the earth thing. How that I know that was very relevant to a certain part of the film, but that kind of felt for a while like it was not really related to the main plot, wasn't it? The hands around the earth, um, yeah, thing. So Jordan Peele is obviously very good at at creating a sort of coloring in these worlds that he's got that he's got with just these extra little subplots and little ideas and little kind thema- thematic things secondary narratives that we can that you can unpick later my take on this is that it parallels along with the with the horses and then with with the creature that we see later maybe we'll unpack it and look at this a bit more when we've when we've introduced a little bit more to Dean Jacket themselves but it feels like a lot of what this movie has to say is to a degree, our relationship with animals and particularly how we use them for entertainment and so on and how they feature in movies. Mm. I think there is a sliding scale to it because as much as... You've done it again, Ben, a great uh, unintentional theme. We talked about Prey last week and that's a great example because I don't think anyone certainly very few people as long as they're treated well 
really have that much of a problem with dogs appearing in films because dogs are domestic animals that are you know that that want to be around us that you know that choose to you know live with us as companions as well as doing things and are trained to do um you know and can train to be in in movies and you know as long as they're treated well it's fine then you have the other animals that are in a movie like prey um where they used all cgi animals for prey there was a bear there were you know mm. there were there were wolves and everything they were all they were all computer generated you don't have to go too far back in our history um what i oh know what was the what was the one we watched link films like link <laughs> films like dunstan checks in that have um that have animals in them and now we know that quite a lot of those animals not all of them i'm not going to speak we, to we can add this them. film to the to the leg to the um series of monkey horror the series of monkey horror is it shame should have got other other, other better around yeah like so including yeah. sorry i'm gonna list them link link monkey shines congo congo famous horror movie famous horror movie uh and dunstan checks in Dunson checks in. Is that all? I say I don't think we've done Shackma as like a full episode, but I think we we've definitely mentioned it. Got it. Got it. Got it on the cards. Monkey we? horror. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But add the, add this in there, and I think that's that's partially a consideration here that we have a generation that are making films with what are wild animals. Horses fall into, I guess, an area between dogs and dogs and apes because they are half dog, half ape. They they're the domestic animals. They they live with us. We have worked and lived with horses as companions for hundreds of years, but they don't you know, less so than dogs. Like a horse the horse's concept concept of doing something that is entertaining, I think, is far less and they and they need to be treated with a degree of respect because they'll kick you. I'll kick you right in the face. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of happens after this? And so obviously, sell sell the horse. They've had all the Gordy's home stuff. Gordy's home. We've jumped forward a little bit, but after the after the uh, OJ and M go back, basically we have our first encounter with uh, with with Jean Jacket. They're they're at home. They're spending the evening together. They're they're talking. They're, they're blasting the tune. Memories. Got some blasting the tunes to such a ridiculous degree where I'm like, what sound system they got going on there? You can, well, I guess very loud. Good they've, got no na- they've got no neighbors, I guess. Got no neighbors, but just I guess just good acoustics in the valley because it's blasting. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and then and then, but he horse gets robbed. Horse gets robbed. Is that what happens? Yeah, the um, ghost is out in the yeah, ghost out in the paddock. So we get these like title cards as well, don't we? Which seem to be the names of the horses, but then we also get a section which is Gordy, which is when. We sort of see the the sort of story of of Gordy kicking off, but yeah, this is Ghost and Ghost is like gone out. It's a really weird sort of. It's lit, so again, this is what reminds me of something like Close Encounters or something that reminds me of a real Spielberg film is that it's lit in such a way that it doesn't really look like real life, but there's something about it. It's, it's kind of like there's something fantastical and strange and very alien about it that if a, if a if a flying saucer just comes across the mountains across the hills it doesn't feel it feels like like it's play, places in this film it just feels like that kind of movie just 
get that vibe from not just the soundtrack, but I guess the cinematography as well is what I'm trying to say. And we get a glance. OJ sees a glance of the the shape in the clouds at this point, right? Yeah, I think, and this is well done because. So I think you see it move quite quickly, but a few more times you see it. It's unlike anything we've kind of really seen, I guess, in alien movies. And I guess it's not a conventional UFO, but it's not like whizzing around. And yes, it's kind of hovering a few times, but it kind of just like kind of drifts through and kind of almost like it's. um, How would you say kind of like stalking in a way from from the clouds? It's haunting. It's stalking through the clouds and electronics tend to go off when they when it when it gets nearby. Yeah. Um ghost bolts away and um is really slurped up. So what happens when uh, so Daniel Kaluuya goes on to he goes a bit further away and he can kind of hear the music coming from his house, but then he can hear somebody talking is it's, it's dupe, isn't it? Like just over the other side of the valley. Yes. Like practicing something. Yeah. Is that right? What what's happening? I think you see it a couple of times. I think if he goes along a little bit, you can hear the the shows that are going on down at the yeah okay. down at Jupe's uh, theme park. But on this occasion, I think it's when the horse basically bolts away, and then see what happens. There's a big cloud of dust, and the horse is gone effectively. Yeah. And we see a little glance. He goes back into M and explains what you know. It's really bring about because again, see a spaceship you don't really want to talk about it but the horse is definitely gone so m comes up with an idea that again at least m is pretty much straight off believing him you know we don't get most of the people who kind of involved in this right so obviously the guy the tech salesman guy and then the cinematographer guy who getting dragged into it later no one's kind of just like saying this is is bollocks everyone kind of believes immediately and says like all right yeah let's get involved um, so it builds up. M straight away realizes that there is money to be made if you can actually get good footage of what um of what a UFO, you know, an actual UFO. So <laughs> they go they go shopping to get get some bits. Yeah. So obviously they try they initially try to see through their cameras, and I think one of their cameras is off, and it's not a very good picture. So yeah, they go to Fry's Electronics, which is a real place apparently. Um, and they get a load of surveillance cameras, which look like top of the range. And Angel Torres um, says he'll come and help set them up. Initially, they're a bit like, no, we don't need you to. But he's like, come on, you're, you're not going to be able to set these you're up. You're going to have to do it. It's real hard. Uh, and he he turns up to the ranch and he has a bit of a weird sort of like semi-breakdown where he kind of like shouts and then says he's just gone through a, a breakup. Yeah, um, he's a funny character. I like this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he ha- helps set up these cameras and he basically says like look if one camera's out the other camera will sort of make up for it by kind of aiming yeah they're different... they're all on they're all on battery backup and basically if one camera goes out the other one will look at this guy because he's kind of rumbled very quickly that what you're doing is looking for aliens right yeah so he seems like the kind of guy who's interested in all that stuff as well um i guess maybe what we're supposed to believe is that people who live in this area kind of already know it's kind of like a, a ufo hotspot yeah in a way, because he said he does say he makes a makes kind of a joke about them oh you, it keeps dropping out your thing well you're not in a ufo hotspot are you and kind of like laughs and then realizes right. that they go what and he's like oh yeah okay so he helps yeah. them set it up but when he leaves he's essentially monitoring 
the cameras. Yeah, he offers to from... monitor the feed for them. He goes, oh, I'll monitor the feed for you for nothing if you want. And they're like, nah. Nah, you're right, get out of here. But he just does it anyway. Probably yeah. breaking all kinds of um, confidentiality. Oh, so it's, the, it's the US, there's no GDPR. <laughs> there's none of that. Um, um, yeah, he, he he does that. Um, the uh, the the theme park owner um, he calls calls round, invites them to a family and friends event. Yeah, they happening. have a weird they have a weird like shouting conversation. I really liked this, bit, which I think which is like, always funny, isn't it? Yeah. No, stay over there though. It's like okay. And I think he even shouts thumbs up when he gives <laughs> the thumbs up because <laughs> you can't up. see it. Thumbs up. And she, she goes, shall I do it back? Yeah, do it back. <laughs> I just, yeah. The, nice this... little character moments. I'm glad they take time for things like this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but that's the thing. As I said, nice character moments, but Daniel Kaluuya is really good at kind of like emoting so much without even really saying or doing anything. Reminds me of Ryan Gosling in a way. You know, like Ryan Gosling kind of just stands and kind of like, he's not quite smiling, but he's kind of like just looking and kind of like, like this, and he just, it just says so much. And I feel like Daniel Kaluuya's got that sort of got charm that same as well, that same skill. Yeah, where you're just like, um, yeah, he's 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 really good at it. And obviously, Kiki Palmer's just like OTT, um, but in a not in a not in an annoying way at all, but like in a really really like in a, like a charming you, way as well. You I kind guess. of you kind of see them as. Uh... You do see them as like a family, you know. You get those little dynamics. They clearly yeah. really care about each other, but they're very different. Because there are a couple of family moments as well. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off then. But there are a couple of family moments where Kiki Palmer says there was a time where they took a horse that was supposed to be hers, and her dad was training it, and she was looking out the window at it, obviously really upset. And dad didn't even look up, but you did. And then obviously there was a, a key, a key moment where Daniel Kaluuya's character, as a kid, like points to his eyes and points back at her so it's almost like those family moments are like she realizes that he even in that moment he was still thinking about her and that's yeah. something that she's obviously held she's been happy about and held it's, that's she's held that memory dear since she was a kid so yeah, she's held it in and the horse that she was going to train that was going to be her horse enough to be in the scorpion king <laughs> do you know what i love that I absolutely loved it because I think they said it was a Western and they go, no, no, it was a Scorpion King. And when when the hoodie comes out later, again, we'll mention it. But I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty. I wonder that why is... that decision was made for that to be the film that they that they could have talked about. And I'm sure there's a story there, you know, maybe it's because, you know, and he does say after all that, we went all that went all that time, spent the time on set. They didn't even use it in the end. They used camels. Used camels, yeah. And that and that is true. In they didn't the even use the rock King, either. He was just, in the Scorpion he was, King, he has a camel. Didn't even use the rock. They just used CGI. Ah, uh, you're thinking of the Mummy Returns. I'm thinking of the Mummy Returns. I am, yeah. In in the Scorpion King, he's just the rock, and he has a camel. Yeah. What a, um, what a time! I kind of want that hoodie though, you know. Yeah, I think we should. They should be readily available already. I've already, I've already, I've already googled it, hoodies. Andy. I've already googled it. Someone's selling it on Etsy. <laughs> just orange scorpion king hoodies. With like, I just want to wander around in it. No, that's twenty quid. That seems right. Isn't it? That's not bad for a hoodie. I might get involved in that. You know, I'm not joking. Oh, before the episode's out, I'll have one on the way. <laughs> um, yeah. So they, yeah, they. They have these family dynamics. They're building up to this thing. And I think um, M also phones the director that was on the film that was with them. 
and says uh, his name's Antler, and they say is it, is it the director or just like the cinematographer? The cinematographer, so he's the DP, yeah. right? Um, recognize this guy as well, Michael Wincott. I think he's he's like a character actor, and he's been a few. Yeah, I'll dig out who he's uh, who, what he's, he's in. Been in. I recognize his face as like something sci-fi. I want to say like an eight, one of the Alien, maybe like Alien Three or Alien Resurrection. He's just got one of them faces. But yeah. Michael Wincott, you said you recognize him from possibly one of the Alien films. Yeah. Can confirm he is in one of the Alien films. For an extra point, do you want to try oh, and guess which one he's, which one you know him from? Uh, so I was going to say Alien Three, but I swear the whole cast of Alien Three is 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 British, and I don't think he is. So let's just say Resurrection. He is from Alien Resurrection. I don't like the see the tone of voice you've got right now is like the tone of voice when you're Quizmaster. Yeah, and it's making me, <laughs> and it's making me feel stress. a little bit. It's making me feel a little bit under pressure. Yeah, uh, he is in Alien Resurrection. He plays a, a gentleman by the name of Frank Elgin, who I think is like the... Is he the Badman? Is he the, the guy that has got them to bring the aliens in the ship? Yeah, possibly, you know. I can't really think. I only think of, like, his face. Yeah, that's him. Do, that's him anyway. But I like him in this. He's um, But they phone him up and they try and get him to come in. <laughs> they always say that you're the, the, the cinematographer who can get the impossible shot. We have yeah. an impossible shot for you to get. Um, they can't really. They don't want to tell him really what it's about. So they say, "Oh, we're making a documentary," and he goes, "Got a bloody lemon meringue pie in the oven." <laughs> oh yeah, he does say that. Yeah, because uh, he's 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 always editing footage of like animals killing other animals, isn't he? So he's got yeah some sort of uh, interest in the natural world, I guess you would yeah. say. Um. So yeah, he's. He is doing, he he's doing that. He's but they he, he hangs up. He's not he's not really interested. They've also set up like a decoy horse, knowing that whatever it is steals horses. The aliens. Oh yeah, decoy horse, but it's a horse that they've stolen from Dupe, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the um, emerald has stolen from Dupe. Yeah, they've stolen it, and that's why she doesn't want him to come into the field. And they do their thumbs up thing. Um. Oh yeah. yeah. So they've um, they're they're going through this. They're trying to get alien footage on the day that the um, the day that the decoy gets taken, and we uh, Angel is there watching the camera feeds illegally, um, but he phones and basically outs himself because a praying mantis goes over the. Um, yeah, goes over the lens, and he goes. There's a mantis on the lens. Um, I didn't know what it was for ages. First, I, I thought, they said they said there's alien. a man- <laughs> I was like, that's a bloody alien. That's not that's not a mantis. Um, um, an emerald does like go up there, throws the ladder, gets kids the roof. Oh yeah, no, I did like that. She was like, hey, what did she say? I know the taste of sour patch kids. I don't know why, but like, isn't it weird? Just like. It's even a little detail like that just adds so much to a character. Just adds, like, that's it. Just that little little character trait is like, okay, she's got sweeties on her all the time. We like that. I'll oh, show you what though. Just just saying it, saying the words "Sour Patch Kids" has made my mouth like you know sometimes it. Like, oh yeah. It'll tingle like it like tingly because it, it sours. My mouth has like almost given me the experience of sour yeah. sweets without having to eat any. Uh, and then 
Um, what happens? They, I think they, 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 they do that. Um, the, the, the decoy horse is taken and we see the string of um, bunting from it. Kind yeah, of this is weird because do you remember what we, do you remember what we kind of thought when we saw the saw the poster originally? We were like, "Is it a kite?" I think we were sure. Weren't sure yeah, like, is it going to be a kite? But no, well, that's good. That makes a lot more sense. And then obviously, when the footage is reviewed, the next day is when Angel notices that there's a nearby cloud, essentially like just on the horizon that never moves. So he plays like a sort of time lapse of the all the clouds moving, and there's a cloud bang on in the center that doesn't move. Um, which obviously is the UFO camouflaging itself using a bloody cloud. Yeah, which is really like it's a really cool effect. So now Angel is a hundred percent on board with them. Yeah, um, I think this narratively at this point is where we then flip to the Gordy story, um, and knowing what's happening, um, I think. Um, OJ says he's going to go and get Lucky back, the horse that he's just sold. Yeah. I don't yeah, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's just because he feels that Lucky's gonna be key to him, you know, whatever they want to do with the UFO at this stage, it's not entirely clear if they wanna kill it, lure it out. Well, I guess yeah, lure it out to get the to get the I, shot I of guess it. The, the Oprah shot, which obviously what Kiki Palmer says they need to get. Like an undeniable bit of proof. And then again, success. if they want to hire a cinematographer, a man who's going to film it with an IMAX camera, who's going to believe that that's mm-hmm. legit real footage? You know what I mean? They're going to be like, well, it looks like a film. So I guess if he's known for his, his natural shots, then maybe they want his credibility. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're trying to navigate also the fact that they can't use technology near it. Um, so on and so on, because it, it will go. Yeah, of course. It will go down and stop working mm. um i guess the only other feature that we have we have in there as well that we during the scene with the praying mantis and the decoy horse being taken we also get the added drama that some um jeeps kids uh mucking about dressed yeah, as aliens thumps one in the face that was kind of weird because honestly i just thought okay well that's the aliens there here they are because they're like little sort of little round heads with beady eyes and little furry bodies and they kind of they walk very much like the tethered. Is it tethered in us? Yeah. Weird and like sort of like almost like interpretive dance sort of. Yeah. yeah and one and that's this is the first instance of of OJ name dropping the film as well. Nope. When he's yeah. when he's trying to film because it is a creepy when it he zooms in on. I was waiting for a jump yeah. scare. Yeah. And like the little head is peeping around. The little head's peeping around, and then one swings down next to him. OJ punches it, and then obviously the head, the, <laughs> the head falls off, so and it's a kid hell. in disguise. Bloody hell! You had to punch before. And then, again, this was also a bit jarring because I was almost like I didn't get. Again, it was just the character of Dupe. I think if I understood that he was messing with them, he was trying to get at them, he was trying to you know take the ranch off their hands then i would understand why these kids were just mucking about like he'd sent them over or something the kids gone because they stole the the decoy horse yeah probably there's like there's like a little bit of a battle going on but i don't know if this is prominent as perhaps i wanted it to be i I would have almost taken and again it's not necessarily a critique yeah the right that some pieces of the puzzle don't quite fit together I would have taken it maybe the other way as well, that maybe if they... Because he says that he's trying to build a working relationship with them. 
I would have also taken it if maybe they did because they were the closest neighbors they had to one another. Mm. Maybe they would maybe take it the other way and have them a slightly more friendly, you know, on slightly friendlier terms and say, you know, this is, you know, I've been friends with the family for, for a long time. We're buying horses off you because, you know, we're, we're doing okay and you're struggling for money. So this is a thing I can do to help keep you afloat. He mm. offers to buy them and just establish that relationship a bit more. And then also put it down that, you know, it's kind of someone who you might borrow one of their decoy horses without asking and the yeah. kids would be around on your thing fucking about and you'd know them by name and be like, oh, you know, maybe you would, yeah, oh, fucking I've punched my neighbor's kid in the face. Um, yeah, I, I could have taken that a different angle. Again, it doesn't, it isn't too jarring. It doesn't take me out of it necessarily, but I think there are ways that could have been a bit smoother. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so yeah, I think now we get some more of the Gordy's home stuff and this automatic and this directly leads into dupe introducing his live show at jupiter's claim he's all done up in his lovely rhinestone western outfit uh he's got a quite a small crowd i guess watching him it's a um, family and friends it's the family and friends oh, preview. so this is the oh, people okay. that that it so says here of, as well that he's been staff or it's his team and it's people he knows oh, because okay. he has he introduces his co-star and first crush the girl who got a face eaten off by the ape. Oh, yeah. And she's got like a hat with sort of like a veil on it. And again, that was a really key shot from the trailer where we're like, what's going on there? What could that be? What does that mean? But yeah. A point, kind of... to, a point to go into. I know it's all been made clear in the latest trailer, but do you think the teaser trailer was deliberately misleading? Yeah, and I kind of like that. I want it to be misleading, you know. Yeah, if because of rather things. The first like, like, is that a bloody alien woman with a with a yeah. beekeeper face? Um, yeah, and also like a beekeeper, a beekeeper little hat. Um, yeah. I think you could have given me a hundred guesses at that. I said, right, what, what's that? What's that then? You should have show. You could have showed me the still of the lady with the little veil yeah. over her face, and I would have guessed. She's an alien in disguise. She is like been mutated by the aliens, like in the Tommy Knockers. I don't think I, with a hundred guesses, I would have said, "Oh, she's a <laughs> former ch- former teenage actor at a face eaten by a chimp." Yeah, Never I mean, maybe about half of that chimp. No, probably not. Um, yeah. So obviously, Dupe uses Lucky. Lucky's in like a sort of clear plastic cage, I guess, um, yeah, to lure out the UFO. It says here that he's aliens. fed it. He had fed it horses that he bought from the Haywards before in front of a That's, They're the ones that he's been buying, which is why I guess he doesn't want to entertain the idea of buying the horses back because yeah, the horses have sold. Can you sell the horses back to me now, please? Uh, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd love to. I would love to. But they legged it. They legged it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he's been feeding them to aliens and he gives this announcement that, like, I, I want to show you uh, a thing. I, I've encountered something. What you're going to see is going to change your life. I've encountered something, and I believe and it'll be here in an hour. He, say, he says it'll be here in an hour, and I'm like, "Where are your places to be?" They always come at sundown, don't they? But um, oh yeah, not on this occasion. No, um, he does say his, his his kids are going to do like a little a little Super Bowl halftime show dressed as aliens for an hour. For an hour, and he's also <laughs> selling like loads of filler. He's selling slush puppies. He's selling um little toys of the aliens. I mean. He's obviously just made it up. There aren't actually 
any aliens. And I guess he's capitalizing once again on that the the trauma and the experiences he's had to try and find events that have happened in his life that will that he can then turn into a business. Um yeah. yeah it seems like that's ready for it. But um, the, little, the little kid's show gets cancelled because the aliens come early. Yeah. And you'll never guess what happens. What happens? Somebody slurps them all up, every single last one of them. Slurps them all up. And I mean, I was a bit confused at this moment. I was like, what the hell's happening? Um, and then we get some shots from inside the alien craft or craft, you know, um, of people like being very far in the sky. I felt this, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, the sort of weird, horrible stuff on the ship. <laughs> claustrophobic, otherworldly, very, very strange um, people you getting get, you devoured. Get sucked in by the alien, it's kind of like if you had a very restless night's sleep and you end up... It's not happened to me since I was a kid. I think you are less restless when you're adult, but when you're a kid, you'd be really restless and you'd be mucking about in bed and you end up inside like the covers that go around your actual duvet. <laughs> You yeah. make a bit of, oh no! <laughs> Something like that. Well, this is another thing that's interesting. Obviously, the ship slurps all these people up and eats them, essentially, in its big. It look, he looks, the ship looks a bit like a cowboy hat as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it floats down. What, what a, a touch that I quite liked was the fact that you can hear the screams of everyone it's eaten as it like flies around. Like the sound kind of follows it, and it's this weird, spooky, ghostly, like ethereal, weird, like wailing in the sky. Um, that obviously people are like, what the hell's that? And that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, OJ arrives at the ranch, sees everyone is gone. I think he hears the squealing of all the people in there yeah. going, bloody hell. <laughs> bloody hell, get me out of here, it's horrible. I'm being eaten yeah. by alien. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's he, horrible. He like, Goes into like a barn, doesn't he, and gets like KO'd for a while. Well, he, sees, like he, sees Lucky, he sees Lucky is still yeah. there. Um, I guess the alien is full of people. Yeah, all full of people. Um, full of people, and it's got a dicky tum from eating the the, the uh, big. What's the, what's the decoy horse made out of? Cement. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, plastic. I don't know. Big fiber, big fiberglass horse. It's been bloody it's been a big fiberglass horse. It's been bloody three D printed. This horse. Yeah, so he's yeah, eating, so a, eating a eating a fiberglass horse covered in string. Um, I think what what becomes obvious now, and I think OJ does say it, but that UFO is not a spaceship. It's an actual creature itself. It's like a predatory territorial creature, which eats. I guess anything that looks directly at it, but I think he maybe works out in a while. Looks that out a bit later, basically. And obviously spits out. Treats a horse. Spits out non-organic material. Um, Yeah, because he goes goes back to the house. Uh, After he's been knocked out in the barn for a bit, he heads home. Uh, Lucky's in the horse box. uh, And it attacks M and Angel are at the house at the time. And it's vomiting all of the inorganic stuff over their house. Well, obviously, it's got loads of... This was this was a true horror shot, I think, which was blood, essentially like rain in blood, a bit like sort of the Evil Dead remake, the, the final sequence. It was it was blocking out the rain, so it was pouring rain, but when the ship like goes over, or the creature goes over the house, it was blocking out the rain, and as it was vomiting out blood, essentially taking a dump on the house but 
just all of the blood and guts and other non inorganic bits uh, blood and keys and quarters and, and a fiberglass, fiberglass horses and wheelchairs and yeah. all sorts fill-ins um yeah so they essentially get stuck in the house all night terrified and oj gets like stuck in his truck because when he tries a, to come back it flies fiberglass horse to the windscreen Gets a fiberglass all straight through the windscreen. Yeah, that was. I mean, again, that was a that was a jump, jumpy, scary moment, wasn't it? Yeah. And he just, I think, after he's had the fiberglass all through the windscreen, he goes, "Fine, I'll just get asleep and wait for a bit." Um, that's the thing. Like, and he even says, "Nope," but he is the, the sort of the straight-edged guy, the straight guy in this movie where he doesn't do the cliched horror movie things which is like you know putting himself in danger at any given opportunity he just steps back and takes himself out of the scenario i know he puts himself in danger again but um yeah great it's a great moment um and then in the in the morning or when the certainly when the storm has passed and the skies have cleared a bit he encourages the other two out of the house he encourages them to look down so they're not looking directly at it. i think he's worked out that it's looking at it that triggers this um kind of territorial mm. response he has a memory of his dad talking about how mm. the horse is acting very territorial yeah that's um, right. and again flashing back as well to his work with the um, um people on the film set saying don't look the horse in the eyes they don't they don't like it mm. chimps as well i think don't like it if you look them in the eyes consider it as a threat mustn't yeah. smile at, mustn't smile at chimps either smiling for chimps means um <laughs> your you mom what? what are you saying to me? Oh no, um, clean out, mate. Eat your face right off. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he's established that. They they go to a I take it as they're having po boys and fish burgers. They go to a I guess a bubba gun shrimp, but yeah, can't <laughs> yeah, be yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know it, what other American chains do. I think it's called something else, but I mean it's fish pretty sandwiches. much. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Um, so they're essentially staying at Angel's place, aren't they? Um, he's doing right though. He's got a PlayStation VR. He's got he's got a VR. He's got a he's got a gaming chair. He's got it all going on. Um, I, I just I don't know why this scene just made me laugh because Emerald was just like using the VR and like sort of feeling up the door. <laughs> just just kind of made, just kind of made me laugh. Um, so yeah, essentially what they do now is make a plan of their own which isn't to like isn't to like defeat the ufo or like get their own back or anything like that they just want the they still want to get a good shot of it don't they so yeah and this is where they get some aid and this is your very jaws moment right because now it's on the news that kind of a lot of people have disappeared from this yeah from the theme park um keep the beach open what's the yeah, worst that could happen keep the, keep the beach open and we hear um antler is listening to it on the local news he's putting some more footage yeah. together and I, I take it that either M or Angel sent him the thing with the with the cloud not moving and yeah. he phone, he phones them back just as they're saying no one wants any bit of this anymore and he says like you're not full of shit I I'm I'm coming basically yeah. and then they've got they've got the next person that they that they need yeah. to kind of progress this, this, this is the more. this is the going out on the boat at the end of Jules yeah. to to fuck him up this is essentially it they've got their crew together of all of these 
people with the same goal in mind, including the cinematographer who's got a wind up camera. Yeah, perfect, really, because they didn't they didn't spe- specify that this creature um, shuts off all the electric electric items. Yeah, they didn't specify that. So luckily, he comes along with a with a, with a wind, wind up, up camera. The wind up camera. Yeah, I, I really like this. I I like what they. I like the idea and I like the kind of a bit of a heist movie moment where they start getting their plans together. They go and steal wacky arm flay, arm flailing tube men. They steal yeah. car batteries to attach them all to. Yeah. So they can track it's its good. movements. Because again, you're like, from the trailer, how does a wacky wave and inflatable arm flailing tube man come into it? Turns out they're very key to... they're very it's, And it's great, it's ingenious because it's a way of tracking the aliens, the ship's movements without needing to see it because as soon as any of them shut down you realize that's where it is genius whenever those arms stop wackedly flaming yeah. their arms and also antler quotes a song which i thought was quite cool i did a little bit of research into this afterwards the flying purple people eater he just ominously and he has a few ominous kind of moments doesn't now it? who is the flying purple people eater by is it um is it a lewis carroll one no, that's the devil what is the pup it is by Sheb Wooley. So yeah, Flying Purple People Eater, and he sort of quotes he quotes like one of the sort of verses and then he says, like when I came down to earth and laid in the tree, Mr. Purple People Eater don't eat me. It was a one eyed, one horned flying purple people eater. And that's yeah, that again, that's just some nice some nice decoration for yeah. the for the scene, sort of setting the scene in terms of this otherworldly thing, which is a purple people here. It's not purple, but you know. It's kind of an off-white like a cream. Yeah. Maybe a platinum. Maybe it could be any colour at once, I reckon. Seems like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so they get together with this plan, and how does it go down? So, they've, they've set everything up. They've got all of the, the tracking, and then what they're doing is they, they know it's going to be the right time when he uh, when the, when the it's ready to eat again. So, yeah, so it's obviously full up now, but it will come back and need to eat. They nickname it Jean Jacket after that horse that belonged to uh, Emerald. But why did they nickname it Jean Jacket? Um, is it because Jean Jacket wasn't the horse? He goes, no, that was another one. So maybe he's really named the one that is going to be her horse, her picture maybe. I haven't really unpacked that yet. Maybe they yeah. did it because it's the thing that she is going to get this picture of that's going to yeah. help them make it. But the, yeah. the, gang, the gang's all here. Um, I forget now how they get it to draw out eventually, uh, in in initially, but they're kind of thrown off base because all of a sudden, a uh, guy on an electric motorbike turns up, and it's a lovely awesome. chrome helmet. Yeah, like Daft Punk turn up one half old. <laughs> so Daft Punk come along, and they they're TMZ, so the gossip yeah TV channel, and they do talk earlier on about how. We have basically a window now to do this because the story is beginning to get out there and people are going to come. Yeah. So there's like a weird noise behind me. I think it's a moth, but like it's freaking me out now where I think it's going to be. One height, one eyed, one horn purple people here. Yeah. A little jean jacket coming towards me and slurping me off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so it's it... TMZ reporter on a, on an electric motorcycle as well. Yeah. So he comes along. Um, uh, M tells him basically, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that way if I were you. Like, don't. Uh, and he's trying to interview her at first, but then he he keeps going. 
and he basically hits the field, the electric stopping field. Yeah. Gets absolutely pied off his bike. Yeah, gets absolutely pied off his bike. And yeah, this is this scene is kind of played for laughs, but and they're like, that guy's definitely dead. And then you just hear him wailing in pain. Yeah, it's come over oh, some sharp pulling off his bike. He's right poorly. <laughs> he's right poorly. Yeah, um, he's, he's right poorly. OJ goes to find him and he goes very again, probably a comment on our modern society. Yeah, again here, Ben, because he's he's hurt himself and he's saying, Why aren't you filming this? Where's your phone? Yeah. Why aren't you where's my camera? Why aren't you filming it? And he's trying to help him up and get him out of there. Uh, and he tells him not to look, but of course he does. And um even as he's being sucked up into the air, he's like, film it. Film it. Film it. Why aren't you filming this? Please film it. I want to be famous before I die. See you later. Yeah. Chrome helmet. He gets, uh, he gets what a helmet. You hear him shout as well. Yeah. 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 You wow. hear him as, as Jean Jacket like moves around in the sky. You kind of hear him screaming. Um, And Holst, who was doing really well, Antlers, Antlers Holst, was that his name? Yeah. Antlers, he's doing really well at capturing loads of stuff. Keeps like changing the. Real, yeah, he's, real. Re- he's reloading the reel, he's getting reloading it all, the real, he's getting it all in. But he just has a moment where he decides to sacrifice, I, I guess, I sacrifice himself the, to get the shot. But I think the light has been perfect, so he just basically goes out. Oh, this is but this is like the last 20 minutes of the film right now, and it just escalates so quickly to the end here. Yeah, um, he steps out with his camera and tries to get a shot of it just. Literally a shot of him sl- being slurped off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get... We did, and it is a good shot because we see we see his like legs fly flailing as he gets sucked into the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he gets gone. Angel almost gets um. So that's how I think we forgot to mention they get the first shot because um. OJ deploys like a he's riding on Lucky, deploys like a parachute, which is the same colour as the um you know the bunting that was on earlier. And I think they expect that that if it sees that now, because he's treating it like you would a, a wild animal or a predator, those yeah. bright colours gave it a dicky tummy before when it ate some up before, so it, it wouldn't be interested in them. And it does kind of avoid him being eaten. Yeah. Him and Lucky get, yeah, away, get away with it. It was a good, good scene. Obviously, the the shadow like chasing after him was, was a was a really good. Yeah, it was great. Scene. It was a great moment. And then after Antler's been eaten, um, Angel, I think it throws out loads of stuff onto the house and basically explodes M out of the house. He gets like wrapped up in a tarpaulin, doesn't he? Yeah, Angel gets wrapped up in a tarpaulin, um, but manages to avoid getting eaten. But at this point, this was another good thing as well because in the trailer it looked, it looked like there was a shot of Kiki Palmer getting slurped off by something up into the sky, but it was cut in such a way where in this bit she gets slurped off a bit, but then kind of just falls and lands. Yeah, kind of the traction loses as the house collapses, right? And then so they're all basically out and exposed and in the open. Angel is wrapped up in like a tarp and barbed wire, but the damage to the things or eating too many bad items has kind of made um the creature jean jacket go into its fight not not its final form but its next form that's a bit more yeah. like a jellyfish creature and less this like a smooth weird. ufo what was kind of weird about this was it was kind of happening in the background at all times you never really saw it 
necessarily changing. It looked a bit different in the background. It was always focusing on, you know, Kiki Palmer on on the bike or um, Daniel Kaluuya on the horse. So when it was like unfurling and becoming this like weird floaty uh, bed sheet slash jellyfish, <laughs> jellyfish it, ghost, jellyfish ghost, it was kind of weird because you never really got a good look at it for quite a while. Yeah, but then it's it's out. Um, as you mentioned, um, Gem, yeah, M, not Gem, M, not Gem, uh, M gets to the bike, um, but obviously because it's an electric bike, she's too close to the to yeah. the alien for it to work. So OJ sacrifices himself. Basically, he has a look up right at the sky, looks it right in the eye, looking at you. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he does that. Obviously, it, yeah. It comes to. It comes to get him. Uh, M sees the wacky arm flailing inflatable tube man um, come back to life, knowing that the power's back on, is able to absolutely peg it on the bike. Yeah, pegs it on the bike, uh, and then it and it comes for her, but she goes straight to Jupiter's claim. Um, this was weird because, and again, another throwaway moment with. There was a moment earlier in Jupiter's claim where she looked down this well and it was like a photo. It was like a camera in there and it took a photo of her. Chekhov's camera well. A throwaway moment that I really didn't check off camera well. I didn't think about it again. And then um, my partner, Charlie, she said, she's going to use the camera to take a photo of it. And I was just like, it was almost like, what, really? Don't, don't be stupid. I was a bit like, was it even that key a moment earlier? But yeah, it, it certainly was. Um, um yeah, she's got some pennies that she finds on the floor. She's putting them in. Oh, wait, she untethers the giant balloon mascot thing of Jupe as well. Yeah. That starts floating up, and she's basically just biding her time, waiting for the perfect moment. She keeps making it flash, um, and then she gets it in the moment when it just kind of, like, opens up, yeah. ready to eat the balloon. Just her, in a final a final attempt and we've seen as it goes to try as it goes to eat oj as well it kind of opens a big square thing now and is yeah. getting ready to pull it into really really weird weird and wonderful creature design in many ways been challenging my my um long-held concepts of horror and creature design something like cosmic horror about it yeah. as well, i think it's very like almost unnamable almost unnamable almost indescribable yeah. Even though we've attempted to describe it. Just described it, yeah. It's a brightly, it's a mostly sort of um, off-white, greyish, silvery creature that then turns to all the colours in a big square as it's about to eat them. Yeah. And then with her last attempt, as you said, not her last attempt, it just so happens that she stops trying to take photos after she's got one. Um, yeah. The, the last one, in the perfect moment, um, she snaps a great, a great picture just as it eats the uh, balloon, but that balloon gives it the dickiest tummy of all time, and it basically explodes. Yeah. Um, it explodes. The, the danger has passed. You see coming out of the well that last picture has taken, and then yeah. the police, I imagine, and news crews all arrive on scene. Um, There's a great scene with a great with a great like Western soundtrack of like the of some fog. Well, it's a mist kind of clearing, and then we see um, OJ on horseback just at the entrance of Jupiter's claim. Yeah, he's made it. And we know the alien is gone because the power's all come back on. Um, Scorpion King with Hoodie. With camera. Yeah, Scorpion King Hoodie. He's he's done it. 
And that, that last scene, I think we've gone through it reasonably quickly, but it's a really action-packed, like, 20, 25 minutes right to the end there. Yeah. Of it all of it all happening. That's where we get the Akira slide as well when she's getting to the park. Yeah, it's great because she's all wrapped up in like crime scene tape um, because obviously she goes to Jupiter's claim where everyone went missing before. Well, we know what happened to them. So she's all wrapped up in crime scene tape doing an Akira slide on an electric motorcycle. Yeah. Pretty iconic to be fair. Great, great moment. So yeah, and there we have the... That's that. The end of The end of Nope end of nope we don't need any any what ifs or any moments and moment post credit moments that's it done and dusted all good um suppose next up is is name game if you got another another one word name game i mean you knocked out of the part last time so i'm gonna let you take the lead i've got a couple here but i'm sure you're gonna i've not got as as many this time but let's see how we how we go so um what's the can you, have you got the, the clean tagline of what the Nope movie is? The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Um, okay. So the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny, chilling discovery when a mysterious, unmoving cloud in their property turns out to be the head of the Catholic Church. <laughs> I had this one written down as well. Pope. Pope. Very good. Do you, do you want to go that. for one round rob in this? That's terrifying, isn't it? Uh yeah, okay. Um <laughs> I don't know about this one. Uh residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Uh it's just someone who's really good at Call of Duty and kills them with a with a special technique where he doesn't even really need to even aim. Uh, no scope. No scope. That's no it. scopes, yeah. Um, okay, so the residents in a lonely gulch in Inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery when um, they help their, their ranch business. But when they've got several strands of string, they twist them together to make a much, much more sturdy structure. Uh, rope. Rope, correct. <laughs> I feel like I wasn't thinking about I was thinking too hard about it, yeah. Uh okay. How about this? The residents of Ohlone Gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. It's a guy called Tyler Durden coming door to door selling them a particular cleaning product. Uh, is it soap? Soap. Correct. correct. Yes. Uh, I've got one for you here. Um <laughs> The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Uh, but when they actually really focus in on this discovery, just a bloke, ever so stupid. Dope. Dope. <laughs> Absolute dope. Uh, have I got another one? I might have another one. Okay. The residents of a lonely gulch in England, California, bear witness to an uncanny chilling discovery. And instead of facing it head on, uh, I will just say it's not the two main characters here because that probably would be inappropriate. But instead of facing it head on, they just leave and run away to get to get married in secret. <laughs> Very good. Elope. Elope. Yes, yes, yes. That's it, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um... Obviously, other rhymes are available. 
antelope um oh Grope, but that would have been an unpleasant. That would have been an unpleasant one to do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If you've got any more, get us get on the Facebook group. I love it when the Facebook group carries on the name game. I've, we've left some on the table for you guys. Yeah. Get involved. Uh. Okay. So now we, all we've got to do is rate the film. I can't really remember. We've covered Get Out and Us on this show. I don't really remember how I rated them, but I think I've already mentioned. I think I'm kind of feeling the same about them all. They're all kind of a certain level for me, but I don't know where you stand. Yeah, I feel I feel similar. I think they're all good, all good solid movies. I think of all of Jordan Peele's movies, it's hard to say because I've had more time to digest the other two, and I've seen certainly get out a couple of times by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably more to take away from this film with another watch you know certainly how it relates to the behavior of animals certainly how um the trauma of those of those characters look talking to you about it today probably the opposite of my of my usual opinion usually we talk about something i'm like i'm not so sure about this and i talk it up whereas actually i think your thoughts on the the way that the characters in particular dupe responds to things I was like, oh, maybe that is a little bit of a gap. So I need to really watch it again to firm up if I can reconcile some of those some of mm. those pieces. Yeah. Um, it still doesn't make it any less an enjoyable movie. I really like uh, Jordan Peele's like visual style, and I really like what he does with characters as well. I think they do take time to feel lived in and to feel that their relationships are very real um so i i think i really value that from those movies that you actually get really fleshed out characters as well so i'm gonna give this i'm gonna go a b today i think yeah yeah i think considering we were with prey last week was an a minus i don't think i'd go as high with this it may be something that i become fond i become more fond of as, as time goes on and with a rewatch, but I think I'm going to go for a B plus. I think the reason I go for a plus rather than just a straight B is because I did really enjoy that sort of Amblin, Steven Spielberg-esque kind of like magic and and mystery that kind of went alongside it. And again, I think the, the soundtrack really added to that, but also the the characters, the little character quirks all, and all the little additional subplot stuff that kind of just amplified this this main plot this main storyline um so much more if it was just like a real basic alien invasion movie perhaps i wouldn't have had as much fun with it as i did so i think that the fact that it's made by jordan peele who as i've mentioned before clearly has lots of directorial quirks and traits that he, he adds now and his style is really becoming something of, and as I said, a Jordan Peele movie now, when it's released, feels like an event. It's like mm. the next movie from Jordan Peele, not just like it's some movie. Who's it directed by? Jordan Peele. Now it's like Jordan Peele movies out. It's an event. Got to go and see it. Got to go and see can't it. Wait, yeah, can't wait to see what it's about. Conversation. Similar to the way I guess that like M Night Shyamalan back in the day, his movies would come out and it'd be like, I can't wait to see what the twist is. With this, it's not so much a twist, but it's kind of like, I can't wait to see what this is what, actually about. What this what is actually about, because it's definitely not going to be about what, what it you, seems like on the surface. Yeah. 
Yeah, really, really agree. And what I'm really glad, I think maybe most glad of from Nope is that it wasn't just here is a different aesthetic, but effectively here's a war of the worlds. Here is a, the yeah. signs, but again, and it's this, this time mm. it was a, a bit different in their approach and it's a bit different how they reacted. It's a bit different to the scale of that threat as well. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both, both pretty positive on that. There we go. Then that is, that is nope. If you, enjoyed us talking about this film obviously go and find previous episodes just search on any podcasting platform horror hangout get out horror hangout us we've covered both of those films as well see what our thoughts are on those and how they differ uh to to this to this one but there we go that is that is that so first of all thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout very very big thanks to our current patrons who are john crinan patron against his will ben scaife monkey patron who obviously that would have been we'll give you an extra special shout out for a movie containing a monkey um stephen christopher laura kendrick toby miller ollie child leslie carlo julia bilgren john o'down nick spill and pazuzu thanks to all of you thanks everybody. equal measure but i was getting a bit emotional then my, my voice went a bit funny um yeah so thanks to taj easton for our theme music thanks to Acast for hosting the show please consider giving us a rating or review Head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. Uh, we're on Twitter, which is at horror underscore hangout underscore. And we're on Instagram at horror hangout podcast. Next week will be a, it's another new release, you know, Andy. Tell August. you what. August. Tell you what. Summer blockbusters in the horror in the horror genre. You know that film Orphan? Yeah. Ever wondered about what would have happened when the orphan done its first kill, her first kill? I mean, I hadn't until the film was made about it, and now I'm wondering about it quite a lot. Now we're going to find out. That'll be next week. Uh, yeah, tune in for that one. Yeah, I will. I'll be here, Ben. You will be. So, And also, thanks to Andy for being a right horror dude. Thanks to you for being a right horror dude, Ben. And for you listening as well, whether you're in the far-flung future or just in the next week or so. Far-flung future. In, yeah, or anywhere in between. Thanks for you being a right horror dude as well. Thanks for being a right horror dude. You are. Appreciate it. Uh, Take care. See you later, everybody. Bye for now, everyone. Keep watching the skies. (laughs) Watch those skies. Watch those. If if a cloud doesn't move, even for a second, get suspicious. Beat a horse. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.